On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we are breaking down the best weekend of college basketball we have had this season, Tate. Mm. There, there were a ton of great games. It was it was hard to watch them all with the football going on, pro football and college football. Yeah. It was, and, a, it, yeah, it, was just, it was a lot. I, I did not do much this weekend other than watch sports and watch college basketball and watch college football. Then obviously a normal NFL Sunday trying to keep up with everything. But uh, like you said, it was a lot of storylines, a lot mm-hmm. of bad guys, a lot of good guys, and uh, a lot of good times watching college basketball, which is uh, felt good. Felt familiar. Conference play has started in earnest for a lot of conferences. Not all of them, but uh, hmm. the, you know we, we got UConn. In earnest in is a great way in to earnest. put it. Yeah. I like that, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really exactly know what that means. I just know that people say that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got our Gonzaga versus Iowa game that uh, I, I was scared to get excited about because I thought it was going to get canceled. It did not. It did not disappoint either. Gonzaga looks very, very good. So uh, there, there's a ton. There, the, the, our, our alma maters both won in the mm. CBS Sports Classic. Let's, get, let's, let's hit that right out of yeah, the Yeah, the haters are sick, yeah. You, uh, your, your, your school wins one CBS Sports Classic game. And you get you make it to one Orange Bowl and you mm. bust out the quarter zip, yeah, the, the exactly. logo quarter yeah, zip. Tate's yeah. got his North Carolina quarter zip on right now. He's yeah, Peter Millar quarter of- zip. Yeah, just for for the real fans, for the culture. Uh, this is for you know. I don't have my khaki slacks on, but if I could, I would. Um, and yeah, Carolina four out of five. Mark Titus against Kentucky. I'll say mm. that again. Uh, you can mm-hmm. turn it off, Big Blue Nation, if you want to. But I can't believe that. It feels yeah, I, far-fetched. I said I was going to quit talking about Cal's guys, but they, they just keep pulling me back in. So yeah. we're, we're they won't quit us. That's, what, that's the problem. Us. we got a lot to talk about with that. Uh, also, we have Eric Musselman on the show, Arkansas head coach. We, we were riding the must bus this week uh, because we, we wanted to talk to him about charges. So mm. uh, if you listen to the show last week, I, I was just bitching about charges for a long time. And then I saw Coach Must tweets out that he is doing a charge wall with the <laughs> University of Arkansas. Uh, so I was like, Coach, you got to come on the show. We got to hash this out, and we did, and it went a lot smoother than I anticipated. Tate, it was a lot easier. Yeah, you wanted Coach Mus, who we both adore and, and love. Like you said, we've been on the Mus bus since 2018. You wanted him to come on here and spar with you to, to yeah, have words ready. with you about the charge. And of course, Coach, you know that's not Coach Mus's mo. His mo is to have a good time, and he came on and had yeah, a good time. Exactly. So. Yeah, I forgot who I was talking to. I had I had four pages of notes ready to throw in his face, and he was like cool man whatever yeah, he's like yeah not really my vibe <laughs> uh anyway we have a ton to get to there there are a ton of games we gotta we gotta talk about all of them we don't want to short anybody Tate. a mm. lot a lot a lot of guys a lot of people are listening to the show and they're excited for the first time like maybe their school maybe you're a ucf fan and you're like hey we just beat florida state i can't wait to hear what titus and Tate have to talk about we have to mention it or else they're going to be disappointed. Or, so, or is this the mention right now? That is the question. You have to listen question. to the rest of the show to figure great it question. out. Yeah. Uh, we got good guys. We got bad guys. We got Eric Musselman. And we're going to get to all of it. But first. Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical they're foul. Out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Let's just jump right into it, Tate. Uh, I, was, I was trying to figure out what to talk about what i i kind of had half a mind to do a college football rant to start the show but Mm. that's not what the people want people if you want college football rants you can go elsewhere or you can wait till the end of the show because i'm sure we'll get to it but uh i don't know (laughs) it's one of those things where uh you know you and i are are in the you know the the capital j journalism world we follow college football we we see the talking heads the bruce feldman's the Stuart mandels of the world and this was 
I think Mark Titus, the only thing I'll say about college football at the start is that this is the time that everyone wants to take down the system. Nobody mm-hmm. is happy. Obviously, other than the four most profitable teams that are in college football that are have made it back into yet another playoff. The Stuart Mandels, I saw Stuart Mandel in particular say that he's done. Throw the system out. We need more uh-huh. games. The Bomani Jones of the world says, why would we add more games to a sport that's already not paying these players? Mm, that's uh, a great point. And, why would we play any games? Yeah, and then why, you and I, yeah. you and I sit here and go. But what about Indiana, though? And, <laughs> what uh, about, yeah. Why would we add... Well, that's college football. Or Coastal would, Carolina, for that matter. Why would these guys who want to play football more than anything in the world, why would we let them continue to play football? Has yeah, anyone yeah. stopped to think about that? Mm. that the, these, these kids who overwhelmingly would do anything... To, to play another game of football mm. yeah have we asked their we have asked their thoughts and they want to play oh okay well never mind uh no <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for the end because if we if, if i get going on college football i don't think I'll, yeah we'll be here all day we will yeah. be here all day and uh we, we don't have time we just simply do not have the time tate <laughs> we must keep pressing let's just get right into it good guy good guy of the week for you what is your pick this week it is simple as I, I watched one game on Saturday uh, in particular that really stood out to me. And the only reason it did is because two words popped in my mind like a light bulb uh, hanging on my wall. Good guy. Uh, and it stood over a man by the name of Chris Mack. And uh, he said after Ooh. this game, we were thoroughly outplayed, outmanned, out-toughed, out-coached. Wisconsin's got a veteran crew and they played like a million bucks, which I wanted to first ask you. I think we need to upgrade. They played like a million bucks because a million bucks is, you know, not as a grade as before. So maybe yeah. What is the rate of inflation on the, that? A million I, bucks I, I think is. it's officially at a billion bucks. You said they played like a billion bucks. Uh, we never really offered much resistance. This thirty-seven point margin of defeat against Wisconsin Buzz Cut Brass team uh, on Saturday uh, was the most since nineteen fifty-six. Uh, and that happened for Louisville, you mean? Yeah, that, Louisville. Yeah, okay, this is the 37-point yeah. margin of defeat, the largest the Cardinals have had uh, since 1956. The last time the team that they played that this happened to, it's funny enough, the alma mater of of Chris Mack, uh, the Xavier Musketeers beat them uh, 1956 by 37 points, the last time that they had this margin of defeat. After the game, I watched the press conference. Chris Mack was very, very coach speak, but also very contrite in the sense that he he talked about Brad Davidson on defense talking for about a minute and a half. And And I'm sincere when I say this, where it was the most good guy move ever, where he was just like, you got one guy on their team, Brad Davidson, who it's an empty gym and I can hear him calling out defensive switches. And then on the other mm-hmm. end, you know, he's like, it's, it's, it's as quiet as a mouse. Uh, when you look at our team, Carlick Jones didn't play. He did warm yeah. up, which was, uh, you know, a big factor in this game. So I don't want to, you know, throw that out there as if I was going to say, yeah, Louisville's pretty banged up as well. Yeah. And, so like Malik Williams still isn't playing. They, they, it, they have a handful of guys out, but this, to get but, blown out like 37 this, points, I mean, and, come on. And, and they were down 25 to four at one point, they were down 16 to Oh, to start the game. Uh, Wisconsin shot the ball well from three, but it was an absolute route. And, uh, Chris back after the game was very, like I said, contrite, open, honest, had the conversation. It was very good guy moves, good, uh, good guy moments. And, uh, for the Louisville Cardinals, I will say, good guy of the week, Chris Mack. He busted out the uh, out-toughed mm. description. Out-manned, out-played, out-toughed, out-coached. Out-toughed is a word you do not want mm. to hear your coach use if mm. you're a player. That is... And he said the maturity level of this team needs to grow, which I think that's uh, the I'm disappointed in coaching terms. Yeah. That is, if the maturity level needs to grow, then these are kids, and we need guys. And Chris Mack has no guys right now, except for Carlick Jones, who was hurt. So yeah, as, as the sky is falling in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, you're thinking to yourself, all right, 
could this be the year, Tate? Mm. Is Louisville finally – is this the year? I mean, everything that could go wrong – and we'll, we'll talk about Kentucky, obviously, with, with the Cal Guys segment coming up. But with everything going wrong in, in Lexington, could this finally be the year that Louisville beats them? Mm. And then you turn on your TV and you see that they lose the 37 no. Wisconsin. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Yeah. No. oh, my God. Who, who else is excited for the greatest rivalry in college basketball this weekend, folks? Two teams that are absolute garbage right now. Yeah, what are we doing here? <laughs> Remember, like during this offseason, during a, a global pandemic, that that same narrative was being pushed, and you and I were like kind of laughing about it during the summer. But at the same time, it, it does. It feels like it gets so far removed from the game that you start talking to yourself. You're like, well, I mean, Louisville's a, an unbelievable pro- program. You, nobody wants to play Louisville, and then you got yeah. Kentucky. Like, who mm-hmm. who's going to match with Kentucky? And you talk yourself into it. And then six months later, it comes back to December and nobody cares. And, you know, you move on with your lives. But the offseason hype is a lot bigger. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more preseason hype around this rivalry than the actual season. And this year is going to be even This worse. is actually great for content that, that Cal and Chris Mack spent so much time force majoring each other back and yeah. forth and yeah. making WWE promos for, for this. <laughs> for this. this. <laughs> like they thought this was going to be like a top 10 game. <laughs> they thought the winner of this game was going to be ranked number one in the country. <laughs> and it's gone. Whoops. My good guy of the week pick is a man who, uh, who whose playbook I have been privy to for years. Uh, mm. I, I feel like I'm kind of beating a dead horse at this one. And, and and if you're getting deja vu listening to me talk about this man, I don't blame you because I feel like I've done this rap with him many times over. His name is Tom Izzo. He's the head coach of the Michigan State Spartans. <laughs> and he opened up Big Ten play, Tate, by getting absolutely worked at Northwestern. Uh, the Spartans lose 79-65. to 65 which is bad enough on its own. This this Northwestern team, it's, I don't know, it's not like Northwestern of old. And when I'm talking old, I'm talking like when I was growing up, where like if you lose to Northwestern, you should just resign in the yeah. postgame press conference. It's not like that. Like Northwestern basketball, for all the jokes we make about Chris Collins and, and whatever, and, and they kind of blew it against Pitt and the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Northwestern's not that anymore. It's still, like you could lose to Northwestern and it not be like the most embarrassing thing of all mm-hmm. time. But... Like this, down by 14, you lose by 14, Tate. And uh, also, I, I want to point out that the, the reason this really caught my eye is that Tom Izzo basically waved the white flag with like two minutes left. Michigan State was down 13, which granted, that's a big mountain to climb, 13 points. But we've seen it before. We saw Duke back mm-hmm. in the day in Cole mm-hmm. Fieldhouse down by 10 with a minute left against Maryland, and they come back and win. Mm-hmm. So like 13 with two minutes, that is not unprecedented. We live in unprecedented times. But that is not unprecedented to, to come back from that. But Tom Izzo had seen enough. He waved the white flag, started throwing in guys. Uh, Jack Hoiberg gets gets some run at the end there. Your guy, Joey Hauser, gets pulled with five minutes left, does not mm. come back into the game. Mm. And, and I think if you're watching this, you just, you're scratching your head a little bit and you're thinking, all right, what is the play here? Because what I see now, granted, I saw Wisconsin beat the hell out of Louisville, but the other kind of Big Ten contenders you have are Illinois, who lost at Rutgers, and maybe yep. we're going to talk about that at some point mm. in the show. And you have Iowa, who just got smoked by Gonzaga, and that is kind of the 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 scene of the Big Ten. And all of a sudden, everybody's looking at East Lansing, and you're saying Michigan State is a top five team. This team might be the best team in the Big Ten. We we all eyes should be on this team. And then I'll be goddamn Tom Izzo manufactured adversity mm-hmm. like. This is manufactured adversity 101 from Tom Izzo is what yep. I'm saying, Tate. Yep. That, that yep. he saw that the other Big Ten teams are kind of struggling or losing games, whatever, and suddenly 
everyone was going to be focused on Michigan State. He does not want that. And so I, that's what I think. I, th- I think he waved the white flag on purpose. And I think he did as well. And I think immediately the spotlight that was going right to Michigan State as it was rolling over, it was going to peel right there. It goes right to Ohio State. And uh, mm-hmm. this is the last thing that Chris Holman wants. Uh, as we saw last year, again, the hottest team, the best team in America around the same time. The wheels fell off a little bit. So, like, Tom Izzo has not only diverted the spotlight, he has shot it straight to straight to you guys. Straight said, to Ohio State, but also Rutgers, who is undefeated. And Rutgers is Illinois. in the mix as well. And now Ohio State plays Rutgers on Wednesday. <laughs> so, I think I think this, this is, is all... Big Ten showdown. This is all happening where, like, Tom Izzo's like, everybody just watch that game, and whoever wins that, you guys should all be yeah, on Yeah, you guys pick team. them to win yeah. it. Yeah, those, are, those are the guys. <laughs> but, yeah, if you watch the – I didn't watch the whole game. I didn't turn it on until, like, seven minutes, eight, eight minutes left because, you know, like, this is not a game that I had circled. It's like, yeah, I, yeah, I got to be locked sure. in, especially with all the great games that are going on this weekend. But, you know, you see Michigan State's losing. You throw it on, and the players had no juice. Granted, like, that, that is where the, the, the blame will fall. It's like it, it, all the discussion coming out of this loss is that the players were flat. They just didn't have the juice. You can't do that in Big Ten, whatever, whatever. I want to point out the coaches didn't have the juice either. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's a coincidence. I don't think that is, I, I think the coaches knew what they were doing. I think you're watching because the Michigan state was kind of sort of making a comeback. Like rocket Watts, who was not great for most of the game suddenly like shows signs of life down the stretch, hits a couple shots. Yeah. And you'd think like under different circumstances, if this is the big 10 tournament, NCAA tournament, if this is, you know, Michigan state, Michigan, they make a push. Yeah, the, he hits those shots and the bench is up and people are clapping. Yeah. They're like, "Let's go!" What they're doing? What Duke did against Illinois, where every time a shot goes in, let let this is the go. one. This is this the one. Is, let's go. You know? <laughs> yeah. But they weren't doing that. They were just like, "Oh boy, another yeah. one goes in." All right. Well, how much time? When well, we got six? All right. Let's just get this. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that was a coincidence. So yeah, uh, yeah. There is a, there's a, there's a, the the phrase itself. I think we hear this a lot when you talk about basketball people and players in general. They talk about someone that plays at their own pace. I think that Tom Izzo coaches at his own pace, and his teams peak at their own pace. Mm-hmm. And he, like you have pointed out, you know, multiple times over the years, they are trying to peak at the right time. They do not want to peak too soon. This was a, this was a peak point. And this was a peak point that was dodged. Boo Booey being the guy that uh, that that does this to you. This is Northwestern's first win against an AP top five team since 1979. Mm-hmm. All signs point to Tom Izzo trying to make sure that they're not on the radar. And uh, that's kind of genius. It's a very good guy move. Also, Northwestern just lost to that athletic director. You know, mm. maybe there's that too. It's like you got to throw them a win so you can keep Northwestern. I, I don't know. I, I that, That's the thing about Tom Izzo is I'm always... I always have him figured out, but he's also at the same time somehow always like one step ahead of me. Mm-hmm. You know, like as soon as I figure out his playbook, he always adds like another layer to it. And I'm like, ah, so like, I can't really figure out like that play, the, the why lose the Northwestern, why not lose another game? Mm-hmm. But I will give it time. I'll figure it out. But this is how you keep Northwestern engaged with college basketball and college sports in general, because you're going to need them. You're going to need that there group you of people. You're going to need that oligarchy. Uh, you know, of minds to finally say, hey, without is. Jim Phillips, we're still all the way in. Thank you, Tom Izzo. Here it is. The Big Ten wants to be the best conference in college basketball. And the big selling point, as it as you compare the Big Ten to the ACC, or in this, this year's example, the Big 12, who has, you know, like four or five teams that are very, very good. Mm-hmm. The selling point on the Big Ten is that top to bottom, it's the best. So the bottom <laughs> is like anybody can lose on any given night. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's the wrinkle is like... Top to bottom. Is that... Yeah, Jim Phillips goes to the ACC. Yep. And suddenly the ACC's got some, you know, there's some excitement about the ACC now. You got this great new commissioner. 
and maybe Tom Izzo's like, not so fast. We're, we are still the league. We're top to bottom. Anybody can beat anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll show you that's that. What and Jim, uh, you're going to regret not being there for that win. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's pretty much what it was. Give me your uh, Coach K successor power rankings very quickly with, with Chris Collins pulling off this big mm-hmm. win. Uh, we, mm-hmm. got, we got Johnny Dawkins beats Florida State. We have Jeff Cables on a five-game winning streak since mm-hmm. losing to St. Francis in parentheses, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. close parentheses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you see it? Who's who's just of those three? Maybe maybe if yeah. we just did those three. I think this was a big weekend for Johnny Dawkins, and I think Johnny Dawkins mm-hmm. is actually post Duke. He is post Coach K's successor. He was one of those guys mm-hmm. that was you know with Tommy Amaker and that group of guys was was a guaranteed contender to be a predecessor for Coach K. But now that I think he's found his own own identity, it's kind of like Coach K now wants him back into the fold. And Coach K sees a win like that against Leonard Hamilton, a game that he's probably watching because, you know, ACC coaches, they watch all the other ACC, uh, ACC games, especially as we get close to conference. So he probably watched that game, and he had this little tender moment of, you know, uh, like the Grinch. His heart grew probably .5 sizes uh, as he saw Johnny Dawkins thrive without him, and he thought to himself, I want Johnny. I want Johnny back, and uh, and and I I don't think he's gonna get Johnny back. I don't think that that's an option. But I do think he's number one in Coach K's heart after this weekend. I, I think Chris Collins he was proud of, but he mm. also knows Izzo's game. You know, I think he knows the shadow game there. He's not as impressed. Any loss in Michigan State already. So Coach K has like a sour taste in his mouth. He probably didn't even watch that game. Um, so Johnny Dawkins number one, uh, and Chris Collins number two, uh, and Wojo number three this weekend. Okay. All right. Wojo, Wojo, Wojo's happy to be three. I think. Wo- Wojo, yeah. yeah. It's good, Mark, good Mark, Mark has two top ten wins. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you one guy who's sinking fast is Bobby Hurley. I mean, mm. Mm. Oof. Mm. this is this is the joy of uh, all the people on the West Coast a bitch about East Coast bias, which is real. Like it's definitely a real thing that the people spend more time talking about the East Coast teams, which is why we are brave enough to do what no other show will do and give the people a Pac-12 update and yep. dedicate time yep. uh, specifically to West Coast basketball. But the one positive thing about East Coast bias is when you're having a season like Arizona State is having, no mm-hmm. one cares. Nobody no one notices. Cares. Yeah, no, no one, one has any idea. It. Yeah. As soon as you're like not good, Everyone's like, who cares? It doesn't matter. We're not going to pay attention. Like the the wheels are falling off in Tempe. No one cares. No one mm. notices. It mm. Doesn't matter. This was supposed to be the best team Arizona State's had, and God knows how long. Ever. Nobody cares. <laughs> maybe, maybe ever. Honestly, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody has any idea what the record is. And they and they to. even lost their one throne. They had Mister December locked up. That was their yeah. thing. This is the time where they thrive, and it's gone. Mm. Hate mm. to see it. Hate to see uh, it. All right, bad guy of the week. Who's your pick? Yeah, bad guy of the week, not in the college basketball ranks. And, uh, you know, I think it might be a little bit, a little bit interesting for the people at home. But, you know, follow me. Once upon a time, my bad guy of the week was George Clooney. And it was because he gave a group of friends around a table each a million dollars. And uh, we said, wow, that's probably the most was bad like guy. 14 friends or something? Yeah, 14 friends, yeah. 12 friends, somewhere like that. Uh, yeah. And it was just a bag of a million dollars in cash. And you say to yourself... <laughs> what wait what <laughs> um yes that's what george clooney did uh and my bad guy of the week is a guy that i think he he's the perfect he's the first person to get his bag of money from george clooney and except this time he wanted to get his bag from steve Ballmer, and it of course bad guy of the week uncle dennis um who is now becoming uh, a star in and of himself he is of course Kawhi leonard's uncle and it all started uh, with a friend of his uh, that basically is alleging that Jerry West promised him 
to pay Wilkes, who is a friend of of uh, Uncle Dennis, is his best friend. They played high school basketball with each other. They they are like two peas in a pod. Jerry West wanted the services of Kawhi Leonard. He was hired as a consultant for the Los Angeles Clippers, and he apparently, allegedly, based on this lawsuit that was filed, uh, this is the the bad guy move of Jerry West. He promised to play pay Wilkes two point five million dollars. Um, the Clippers have said uh, that the lawsuit is replete with ina- inaccuracies <laughs> and the allegations are baseless. Uh, Wes has denied any improper conduct, so I'll say all that before I get into the fact that uh, Robertson is uh, is basically, you know, Uncle Dennis's, you know, basically his best friend. And he leveraged a relationship he had with Uncle Dennis and with Kawhi Leonard to get him to sign with the Clippers. And he was also able so, to. So get... hold on, you're gonna have to explain this more for me because yeah, I, yeah. I I kind of have the the gist ish, but so Kawhi Leonard, who we know, is yes. a basketball player. Yes, yes. he was highly of, sought of the after. Toronto Raptors. Yes, yeah, he's a free Finals agent. MVP. Yes, he's a free agent. He has an uncle who uh, is his guy. Who, his who, guy. His handler. People say that he, runs he pulls the show the for him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He, he, he's the guy responsible in a lot of people's eyes for him. Geppetto. Yes. Exactly. For him wanting to leave San Antonio in the first place. Yep. Correct. This is mm-hmm. the guy. Mm-hmm. Now you're saying this uncle Dennis has a friend. His who, best friend. Who there's a guy who was pulling uncle who was pulling the strings for uncle Dennis. Now Johnny Johnny Wilkes. So there there's and people. he wants to and he was soliciting Uncle Dennis's services, who was soliciting Kawhi Leonard's services to Jerry West, and he wants $2.5 million from Jerry West. My God. <laughs> yes, yes. That's how deep we are. So basically, Johnny Wilkes and Uncle Dennis say, if you want the services of Kawhi Leonard, Jerry West, here's what you need to do. You need to give Uncle Dennis a house. You need to give Uncle Dennis an expense report, like or expense account. You need to have Uncle, Dem- Uncle Dennis being able to fly private wherever he wants. The Clippers and Jerry West allegedly set up all these things for Uncle Dennis, which is why he's the bad guy of the week. So Uncle Dennis got everything set up for him, and his best friend was also telling the Clippers and Jerry West what Uncle Dennis wanted, right? So he's the middleman. This is a very Frank Lucas situation. He's the middleman. Wilkes is running back and forth. He's like, hey, Jerry, here's what Uncle Dennis I and Kawhi are saying what? they want. I, and he's supposed to be getting paid $2.5 million. Jerry West has never paid him anything. Is like acting as if he never knew no. him at all. And uh, poor Johnny Wilkes, but also shout out to Uncle Dennis, who's bad guy of the week. Got everything he wanted. Uh, got his expense account, got his house, got Kawhi to the Clippers. And then two years later, all this comes out, and poor Johnny Wilkes is like, I've facilitated this whole thing. Can I get paid my $2.5 million? And Jerry West picks up the phone, says, new phone, who this? And closes. <laughs> I and need I need the FBI guy with the flow chart. Yes. 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 That's, look, Clippers, is, Kawhi and Uncle Dennis, Wilkes in the middle. He's running, he's running back and forth. Yeah, that's the playbook. It's a, literally, that's as stupid as it sounds. And, is Wilkes uh, Jeff D'Angelo? I think we have to start yeah, asking ourselves this question. Basically. Oh, my God. That's, that's unbelievable. That's my bad that guy is, of the week. Yeah. That is truly trickle-down economics at work right there, I think. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. what, <laughs> that's what we have. Uh, all right, that's a great pick. Very Uncle Dennis, but, uh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 a it's a round robin situation. Basically, Uncle Dennis got the bag, Kawhi got the bag, Johnny Wilkes did not get the bag, but he facilitated the bag allegedly. Bad guy of the week. My bad guy of the week is also in the NBA realm, but has more of a direct tie to, to college basketball. Uh, 
my pick is the original friend of the program, Duncan Robinson. Wow. Bad guy of the week. This. And here's why. First of all, there's the obvious. He donated 10,000 meals to, to the people of South Florida for this holiday season. Uh, so congratulations, Duncan, for doing that. That's mm-hmm. uh, he, he's, he's endeared himself to the, the Miami community to such an extent, Tate, that apparently the Miami Heat are not willing to part with Duncan Robinson to get James Harden. That's, yep. he, he's reached yep. that level. He's reached that level. He went from coming off the bench behind Isaiah Livers to now – are we sure we want to trade this guy away for James Harden? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And we and we all kind of agree with it. We're like, yeah, yeah I can see yeah. the point why you want to keep Duncan Robinson. Yeah. But the real reason I pick him as bad guy of the week is that he came on our show a few months ago and he told us that the Pentagon, where uh, some college basketball games are going to be taking place uh, in South Dakota, is his favorite shooting gym he's ever played in. And he said... Whatever games are, are being played there, take the over. There's going to be a lot of scoring. Uh, I it, it is my favorite gym I've ever shot in. Um, I don't know how many people remembered that. I don't know how many people wrote down that he said this. But fast forward to Gonzaga versus Iowa, the two best offenses maybe, probably. Who cares? Who's really going to argue? Maybe Villanova. But otherwise, uh, for my money, the two best offenses in college basketball are playing in the gym that Duncan Robinson said is the best shooting gym, the best scoring gym that he's ever played in. Now, Iowa went four for 22 from the three-point line, so he kind of loses us there. But who cares because this game hit the over in a big way. I think the over-under was like 170. They ended up scoring 187. It Mm -hmm. went over by a lot. And uh, who knows how much money Duncan Robinson made our listeners by telling everybody to take the over on, on this game. So there you go. Yeah, I think that they would have taken it as long as he yelled at the camera, it's a lock. And uh, <laughs> and then I think people would have really tuned in and made that bet happen. But it is, you know, shout out to the Pentagon. They've been nothing but friendly to you and I, you know, just on social media. The Pentagon <laughs> loves that you and I have uh, have endorsed them as a shooter. The, the, the building yeah. itself. Yeah, yeah literally. <laughs> seriously. I, the I building is sentient. And has yeah, a it, it's like an AI technology. It's like, thank you so much for supporting the Sanford Pentagon. Um, <laughs> I am awesome. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much what we like to see. Uh, congratulations to Duncan Robinson. Congratulations on doing the Frank Lucas, take the turkey and, you know, d- deliver the meals. We love to see that as well. That's a very uh, good guy slash bad guy move. And uh, yeah. if you don't get it, you would say it's a good guy move. If you do get it, you know it's a bad guy move. Um, I love to see Duncan flourishing. Uh, you know what I mean? We, I would have never thought... In a million years, especially just a year ago, when we saw him at summer league, that this would be the world he lives in, where he's like a, a pillar of a franchise. Mm-hmm. We love to see it. Congratulations! Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, how about Gonzaga Iowa? That, that <laughs> game in general. I mean, should we should we uh, should talk we just about talk about it? Yeah, because yeah. it's. Uh, I'll say this: Jalen Suggs. This is the, this is my note for Gonzaga. Jalen Suggs is flat out, and I wrote it in all caps. And I and I don't really know how else to expound upon that thought other than to say. Jalen Suggs is so Doing ridic- Jalen Suggs things. He's so ridiculously good at everything already <laughs> yeah, that it's is. that it's almost annoying. And the fact that we went from this guy putting his finger in the back of his you know shoe, oh, and we thought whew, that we I had it. I wasn't sure what you're about to say. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, we, okay. we went from like an Achilles yeah. injury potentially to the fact that this guy is like hitting step back threes like it's nothing. Yeah. Uh, I I just have to say he's so impressive to me. A lot of the freshmen in college basketball have been beyond impressive, but Jalen Suggs is definitely, I don't know how he's not a top five pick. I'm not going to try to like, you know, do those declarations or anything right now at the moment, but he's, he's flat a top out. five pick. Yeah, he's, he's flat out. He might, be top, out. he might be top one pick. Uh, th- this yeah. draft is absolutely loaded, by the way. I'm so excited for the 2021 NBA draft because yeah. it is stupid. As, as unenthusiastic as I was about this past draft we had, I am that enthusiastic about this draft that, mm-hmm. um, 
it's it, it it's gonna be bonkers. But yeah, I th- I think Suggs is the difference. So uh, in in terms of trying to assess Gonzaga and Baylor, I declared this on Twitter. Actually, no, I didn't. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk this back. Mm. I declared that I'm ready to declare. <laughs> I didn't say that I did declare, but I mm-hmm. said Tate that I am ready to declare this a Gonzaga versus the field season. Mm. I, I I feel like I've seen enough. Gonzaga has already beaten. They played four games, I think, and three of those wins are West Virginia, Kansas, and now Iowa. Three, they have three top ten wins in their first four games of the season. Uh, they were supposed to play Baylor, as we know. Oof, um, that did not happen. They got Virginia coming up on Saturday. They, they had if they would have played all their, they were supposed to play Tennessee too, right? Mm-hmm. At one point, mm-hmm. if they would have played all their games, they would have had the greatest non-conference schedule. I was going to say their resume is like it has to be a number one overall seed. Yeah, and there would still be some guy, and and by some guy I mean my father tweeting like. Where would they finish in the Big Ten, though? Are we sure? <laughs> could they? <laughs> could they? Could they? Win I don't like how they match up with the Big Twelve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the reason I feel like it is a Gonzaga versus the field situation, or we're getting very, very close. I, I really like Baylor. Obviously, it is definitely. If it's not Gonzaga versus the field, it's definitely Gonzaga and Baylor versus the field. Uh, obviously, Gonzaga. Any other contender you want to throw out there, it feels like Gonzaga's already beaten. They already beat Kansas and Iowa, who are. Uh, two very, very good teams. I, I, I want to talk a little bit about Iowa in a second too, but uh, the difference to me between Gonzaga and Baylor is that Gonzaga has everything Baylor has, except they also have NBA talent. They have got, they have three yeah. guys that might be first round picks, depending on where Timmy goes. Kispert's a first round pick. Mm-hmm. And if he's not, then he would, would, would have definitely been a first round pick in this year's draft. Jalen Suggs might go number one. And I don't even think that's hyperbole anymore. I think that like, that is slowly going to be, he, he by the time the draft happens, he's going to be the favorite. And we're going to have to, cause this, this kind of happens every year too, is the guy who is supposed to be the number one pick going into the season. You slowly talk yourself out of it. That like Kate yeah, Cunningham yeah. is no mm-hmm. longer, Kate Cunningham is RJ Barrett. Jalen Suggs is Zion Williamson. And slowly you're like, wait a second, what about this other guy? And it's not that Cade Cunningham's bad. It's that every time Jalen Suggs plays basketball, he's blowing our minds. Mm-hmm. He is he's definitely Gonzaga's best player, but they also have two other guys who might be first round picks. And it's not like they're just thrown together as a as a team full of future NBA players, like say a Kentucky or some of the other Duke teams that aren't that's not what makes them good. On top of that, they are a great college basketball team. Yeah. They have Ayayi had like he 18 put up rebounds, 18 rebounds yeah. and 11 points. And he almost had a triple double and he's our fourth best player against yep. the number three team in the country. It's insane. They had 18 turnover. That, that's the other part too, is like, they weren't even close to perfect. They had 18 turnovers <laughs> yeah, they had, and they still yeah. scored 99 points. And I know Iowa's defense isn't great and whatever, but I, I I'm not saying Gonzaga is going to go undefeated. That's not what Gonzaga versus the field means. They, they, of course they can slip up. I'm not saying that they're going to have a cakewalk to a national title. I'm just saying for me, I I am not the tournament doesn't start the the whatever I'm I'm not I don't care what else is going on in college basketball until I start to see some weaknesses out of Gonzaga mm-hmm. because it, they they are the team to beat by far in my estimation and I that is not a, a slight on Baylor at all that is just I think Gonzaga has a chance to be very 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 special most people think that 2017 was Gonzaga's year or they thought it would be Gonzaga's year they were wrong 2020 is Gonzaga's year. This yeah. is the year. This is it's as simple as that. They are obviously the best team. It's uh if you don't think that, just watch Jalen Suggs on one possession. They also have Timmy. They also have Kispert. Kispert is could quietly, I feel like, have eight points in a national championship game. Kind of like what Brunson did. It kind of could just yeah. like not be the, the focal point and they still win the game by 15 points. And it not be shocking at all because they are so well put together. They are gonna be even deeper than they already are right now. And 
they're going to be able to cruise at a certain level or a certain extent, whatever you want to call it, until we get to the tournament now that they've gone through this whole gamut of, of tough teams. So I, I wish that they paid, played Baylor. I think it's better that for them that they did not play Baylor. Yeah. Um, you don't want to like waste that win and then have to play them again in the tournament. But they all signs point to this is Gonzaga's year. This is Mark Few's first championship year. And it would make so much sense for it to be that way because they have all the pieces. And, you know, knock on wood, hopefully there are no injuries that, that keep that from being the case. But I don't think it's insane to say at all that they are by far the best team yeah, and the team so. that's going to yeah. win it all. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that, I mean that makes sense. Listen, Baylor is very good, and Baylor deserves to be in rank number two. And I think Baylor, the gap between Baylor and the rest, as from what we've seen so far, like Baylor seems to be sort of in a class of their own, but they're mm -hmm. not as good as Gonzaga. And mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, I don't know. That doesn't mean they're not going to, they can't beat Gonzaga. That doesn't mean Gonzaga is going to go undefeated. I'm not saying any of that thing. I'm just saying that I've seen enough to think that this is Gonzaga's year. And yeah. until proven otherwise, I'm going to continue to believe that like Gonzaga is the only team that kind of matters right now in terms of national championship. And until like Gonzaga starts to have, until the dam starts cracking a little bit and you start thinking like, wow, Gonzaga does have a turnover problem. Every time they're going out, they're committing 20 turnovers or they're not playing great defense. They're getting lazy on that end of the floor. And still we start seeing like patterns like that from Gonzaga. Uh, it's, it's their national title to lose. Yeah. That's, and if you're, if you're, so. if you're Scott Drew at this point, you know, you've had the highs and the lows, but you know, you and I have joked about, you know, Scott Drew has to kind of get over the hump at some level. It might be nicer for him to be number two and kind yeah, of take a exactly. back seat exactly. and have Gonzaga be the, the team that's at the forefront that everyone's talking about all year. Then they can sneak up on them in the final four. So can you imagine if sense. Scott Drew does not win another we have another year of no trophies for Scott. He has to win something. <laughs> Give him a trophy. Give that man Give a trophy. Man something. God. He deserves it. Give this man something. Uh, the, the only other thought I had on the game, I mean, we want to talk about Iowa a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I was very impressed with Iowa, which is uh, weird to say because they got absolutely worked. But I think Iowa has shown me a lot so far in the season in that they have shown me that I don't think their defense needs to be that good because I don't think their offense is going anywhere. Like the, mm -hmm. the, every time you talk about a team has to play good defense in college basketball, it's with this understanding that at some point shots aren't going to fall. And in a one-and-done NCAA tournament, if Iowa goes cold, are they screwed? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, they went four for 22 and lost to Gonzaga, but like if Iowa's playing Gonzaga in an NCAA tournament, they're already in the national championship or they're already mm -hmm. in the final four. Like this, th th this isn't going to happen in a second round game. If they go, th th the point I'm making Tate is that Iowa's defense is not great. It's as bad as we thought it would be coming into the season, but I think their offense is better than I even expected it to be. I think Luca Garza is unbelievable. Yep. You can double him if you want, but he's surrounded by other guys who can score at will. It's a, uh, and I, I, and I don't see I don't see Iowa's offense slowing down to a point where we we then have to be worried about the defense, if that makes sense. So I I, I don't know. Iowa, Iowa is a legitimate Final Four contender to me, even though they don't play defense. And that's hard to say out loud because I can't imagine a Big Ten team that's not great at defense being built to go to a Final Four. That just does not compute in my brain. Yeah, Luca Garza had 30-10 and 10 in this game. And it, it was a quiet 30-10 and 10 probably, what some people would say if they watch the game because they're so mesmerized by Jalen Suggs. But... The, the whole Iowa offense and the fact that they put 17 threes up against North Carolina, it has been stained in my mind, Titus. And that's when I knew that day that they were for real, especially with the amount of bigs that North Carolina was able to throw at Garza. They kind of took Garza out of the game, and Iowa was still able to outscore them and make it, you know, a, a track meet, and it was over uh, before it even started, really, because 
They can shoot flat out. I'm going to keep saying that. They can flat out shoot just like Jalen Suggs. And uh, I I believe in Iowa. I think that Iowa's a real contender. And I don't think that they should walk away from this game hanging their heads at all. And I don't think they did. I think that they competed really well. Gonzaga's just a, a different tier. Yeah, they're just, like They're yeah. at their own tier right now. And uh, if you're Iowa, if anything, you say, hey, we can compete with them. That That's good news. Like you said, if we if we see them again, we've already made it to the pinnacle of the sport. So we're doing all right. And uh, that's good news for Coach McCaffrey. Anyway, uh, yeah, that, that, that game was awesome. But Gonzaga, th- there's something about Gonzaga, too, that uh, watching Kansas game and watching, I mean, all, all the games they played so far. But it, it stood out to me because uh, Kansas kind of came back a little bit against Gonzaga made it a little closer. Iowa was mm. doing the same thing. Like Gonzaga had this big lead. Iowa starts chipping away at it. And suddenly it's like, did it ever get down to single digits? I don't remember. It, it, I, th- I think it did at one point. Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe, I maybe, can't maybe not. Point is, Gonzaga is built like an NBA team with their mindset in that uh, a lot of other college teams, if a team goes on like an 8-0 run against them, they're panicking or they're looking at the scoreboard and they're like, Oh my God, where do we stand? We're still, okay. We're still up 12. We don't need to worry yet. But Oh my oh boy. Gonzaga just like, they just put their head down and they're like, mm-hmm. all right, you scored 12. We'll watch this. They're, they're mm-hmm. Cam Newton talking to Clay Matthews. They're like, you did mm-hmm. that. That's cool. Now watch this. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> now watch this. We're going to score some more. And, and they really, it really feels like Gonzaga does not even look at the scoreboard until there's like four minutes left. And then they look up and they're like, Oh, we're up by 50. Cool. Um, because, I mean that's obviously not true because they let their foot off the gas in the second half against Iowa. But but you understand my point that like that's how NBA teams work is they just kind of like play and they trust that eventually we have more talent than you and that's going to win out. We don't need to panic if we're down seven to West Virginia. Yeah, who cares? Say, yeah, yeah. Or we're up and you're chipping away at our le- like over the course of the game, it's going to play itself out that we are more talented, we are better, and that's going to be proven and it's been proven every single game and that to me is the other part is like Gonzaga is not a team that is going to panic we are not going to see Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament down by six and shit in their pants and you know down by six with seven minutes left like oh my god they're just going to keep playing they might not win but like their attitude is that from what I've seen so far and a big part of that is Jalen Suggs who has no conscience whatsoever and is an absolute killer. And I, love now, I was, so was going to say, Jalen Suggs might be the toughest player in the country. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we get some story that like he actually did tear his Achilles mm-hmm. and he's just been playing on it all year. And, uh, and he ripped I, it out the back yeah, of his heel and threw yeah, it away. Yeah, and exactly. Like, it was like, I don't need that anymore. And everyone's like, wow, this guy's this guy something else. He's like DeWan Blair with no <laughs> knee ligaments. He's like, yeah, I, I just play without an Achilles. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it I works. I mean, honestly, <laughs> at this point, it could be true and I would believe it because he's, he's honestly that crazy, that unreal. All right, can we talk about what we really wanted to talk about on the show today, which is kind of perfect because I, I swore I was done talking about them until uh, they, lo- they they beat Louisville. Until <laughs> until Kentucky beat Louisville, I said, I'm done talking about Cal's guys. They're too bad. They they do not deserve my attention. Mm. But damn it, they, they find ways to keep dragging me back in, Tate. John Calipari <laughs> is losing it. He mm. is... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. The picture of him that Matt Jones tweeted in the post-game press conference after Kentucky loses to North Carolina, th- that face that he made is is the most defeated look I've ever seen, maybe ever from anybody. I was about to say from John Calipari, but like that woof. That's all I would say. I, I my note, you keep saying flat out. My note on Kentucky right now is in all caps, woof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. all I put. Yeah, I mean, John Calipari looked like the Fonz uh, if, you know, he basically got lost, uh, like, at sea on Gilligan's Island, and they found him 40 years later, and they it's were like, crossover what, what, ha- what happened to you? <laughs> What's going on? 
Uh, is this a crossover episode? Uh, that's he was he was lost at sea, and uh, I, I watched his post game press conference. I listened to it. I read through the transcript. I mean, he told. I mean, this is the most telling thing I think of the reason why he's at his wits end with this team. He said they don't understand, which I, I one I just love the start of that sentence when you just say they don't understand uh, as you talk about your team. They don't understand that with four minutes to go in the game, we had a chance to win the game, and you cop an attitude. It's the immaturity of that alone, and uh, and I think that's you know he's obviously talking about Fletcher's outburst and you know that whole situation yeah. and the fact that he hadn't played more than like five minutes in the past three games like all that it was all the drama after the fact but Kentucky was if you watch the game Kentucky was obviously you know they get out to a hot start against Carolina Carolina is notoriously this team is slow you know off gets off the slow starts you know things weren't going so awry for this team and then like Cal said they had a chance of four minutes to go if they could piece it together but they just kind of self-combusted and you know they they don't really have a guy that they can sort of point to and lean on to say this is the leader of the team. After the game, Keon Brooks, who's hurt, is the only person that does anything with the press conference and says it says after the game that he thinks that the team lost their quote-unquote swagger and didn't know if they could get their quote-unquote confidence back. And that's the guy that's hurt. That's obviously the only person that will talk to the media, and that's what he's saying. The, the, he's, he's the best returning player on the team as well from last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, he, and Keon Brooks is saying that to the media. Yeah. Not even in the heat of battle. He's just saying that almost as an outsider perspective. You know, I mean, he's he's not dressed out playing in this game, but he's the only one that talks to the media. It's obviously a shit show at some level. Co- Coach Calipari, this is the worst start since 1926-27. Adolph Rupp hadn't even coached at Kentucky yet when they started out 1-5. and five. North Carolina, like I said, the start of the show has won four of the last five. Kentucky fans, they, didn't, they don't sign up for that. You know what I mean? I, I know plenty of Kentucky fans. My dad used to work in Bowling Green, Kentucky. They want to beat the hell out of Carolina, and they want to talk yep. shit about it. Like that's that's part of their mo. So the fact that they're getting owned by Roy Williams, it, it to me, I could see the the brass of Big Blue Nation having some real questions. You know what I mean? This is oh, not this Kentucky is, basketball. This yeah. is this is not something that you can just like wipe away clean and act like oh we'll figure it out. These kids will grow right, into it. Like right. th- there are no lines that can be thrown out right now. Like you're actually deep at sea. And you know what I mean? They're not going to help you out. And I think that's what's fascinating because we know it's a lifetime contract. I don't think so. I, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? I don't think so. As you said, that that is the shocking part is not that uh, Kentucky is struggling. It's that they have now reached a point that we are six games into the season and they are out of lines. Coach, Coach yeah. Cal is out of you, – you, you can't play the the – these kids are young and, and mm-hmm. we got to grow and, and all that sort of thing. It's done. It's over. Like we've already, we're past that point. And what we've seen from Kentucky, not only on the court, but certainly off the court. I think that's the biggest concern. What, what, what is being talked about? What is, uh, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about Cam Fletcher here in a second, but, uh, that all of these warning signs are, are pointing a direction that says, this is not going to get better. This is not a case of like, let's just make them run sprints. Let's just make them over the Christmas break, like stay in Lexington and play Madden together. And maybe they'll all become BFF and then we can get through it that way. That is not the recipe for fixing whatever it is that ails Kentucky. Uh, and to that point, Tate, Cam Fletcher has basically been suspended is, yeah. is how we put it. Like the, the, the language everyone using is that he has been asked to step away, which I find fascinating that like the media is carrying water for Cal the same way you would like when a guy gets fired and they're like, he was let go or mm-hmm. they have made the decision to part ways or wh- whatever. No, the guy was fired. Yeah. 
the same thing here because Cal tweets out that he has asked Cam Fletcher to step away. They're like, okay, Cam Fletcher is now going to step away. And it's like, Cam Fletcher was suspended. <laughs> like, let's mm-hmm. call it what it was. Mm-hmm. Whatever the hell happened, Cam Fletcher played two ga- two minutes against North Carolina. Apparently, he put out an apology himself. Cam Fletcher, I'm talking about, uh, t- tweeted out, like, uh, whatever, my behavior was bad. We don't really know exactly what happened other than he kind of lost it. I don't know. I guess he, he voices frustrations at not playing as much. And then Cal... The, the fact that he suspended him is is worrisome enough. I think if that headline comes out that Cam Fletcher's been suspended for some sort of outburst in the locker room, that would be worrying enough. The fact that Cal like made this public and kind of threw his guy under the bus is big time red flag for me. That the Cal tweeted today, we have asked Cam Fletcher to take some time and step away from the team. He needs to reflect and do some soul searching to get his priorities in order. What? Mm-hmm. any attitude or actions that are detrimental to this team will not be tolerated. And that goes for everyone on this team. I don't listen the sentiment. I love it. That's great. Have that sentiment. That is, that is something college basketball coaches should have. That's like, if, if you have a, if you have a guy who's acting out, it's, it's, it falls on you to like get him straight, you know, like steer the ship in the right direction, like suspend him if you need to, whatever needs to happen needs to happen. You do not need to tweet this. I do not remember mm-hmm. ever seeing this from coach Cal, especially a guy like him who uh, has such a reputation for looking after his guys and taking care of his guys and always like he, he'll, he'll say shit about his players as a collective. And he'll talk about mm-hmm. like these kids just don't get it. And these kids are morons and these kids don't know anything about basketball. And I'm trying to teach these kids. And you know, we make jokes about that all the time, mm-hmm. but I cannot remember a time, even with the Ryan Harrow situation that that was unfolding with Kentucky. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't ever remember a time that coach Cal was like, this specific kid has problems and I'm trying to get through to him, but he's got to get his priorities in order and he needs to do some soul searching tape. Woof. Woof. Yeah. Woof. <laughs> in, in a tweet where you capitalize 11 years, you know what I mean? We have been creating and cultivating this culture for 11 years, mm-hmm. basically. And it basi- will not change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And basically, you know, as we know, based in Cal's terms, that's a lifetime. So they have built, <laughs> right, right, they have right, built right. a culture over a lifetime and he has a lifetime worth of culture currency that he has built up. And I mean, the fact that like Davion Mintz to me is, is one of the guys, you know, transfers from Creighton comes in. He's the toughest guy on their team, just playing against him in the North Carolina game. He's the guy that wasn't afraid of anyone. I'm like, that guy should be the one, the senior on your team that maybe, you know, fires, you know, BJ Boston and mm-hmm. Terrence Clark and, you know, Fletcher, some of these other guys. Maybe he's the one that needs to talk to him. And I looked at, you know, some of Mintz's quotes, you know, after their you know, game prior to North Carolina, where he was like, we're not a good basketball team. That was his quote. So we're not a good basketball <laughs> team. You know what I mean? I, I'm like looking there and I'm like, there's a senior right there. Seems to be willing to say what needs to be said. Uh, Coach Cow obviously is trying to to do something to, to rattle these kids, right? He's trying to tweet something to say, like make an example out of Fletcher at some level, it seems like. And I don't I, like the move. I don't, I don't like, that I, I don't like, I don't like to make an example to, to get the attention, but it does. It reeks of desperation is what it reeks of. And like yeah. you said, he he's never done this before, but the Ryan Harrow situation, it's like, you're coming off Anthony Davis winning a title, you know, a couple right. of years before. Right. And, and a lot of people have brought up 2013 and then, you know, people have said, well, the next year they went to the final four. It's like, but also the year before 2013, they won the championship. They won the championship. Right. So, you know what right. I mean? so they have recent success that they don't right. have to necessarily freak out over and we know that they are all about striving for nine ever since they won the eighth it's been strive for nine and they they have not come close necessarily 2015 was there but like 
in their minds, we're far away from that window, right? Kentucky fans feel far away. They feel far removed. Calipari himself seems to be far removed from that. And he talks about that 11-year culture. They seem far from the fun NBA. We're going to bring platoons right. in of top players. It now feels like we're, we're trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel, and we're also pointing fingers, and people need to buy in because this is what we do. That's what's so shocking and, to me, man, is that... But that, I'm telling you, that's desperation. That's, that's what that desperation, is. yeah. yeah. That, that, it reeks of desperation. It reeks of Cal, like, absolving himself of the blame. And yeah. and you, you said it yourself, John. 11 years of this culture is what you've built. That, that includes recruiting 17 year old kids to come play for you. And you're kind of like stuck with them. And some of them are going to be shitheads. And sh some of them are going to show up and expect to be the best player on the team. Every single guy that's going to Kentucky for the most part thinks they're going to be the best player. Mm -hmm. You know, like th that's, that's just how it works. And that's the culture that you have built a culture. That is the culture, but you have to be patient with that. You have to be understanding and Cam Fletcher. Like, I don't know what happened, obviously. Like that is some, I, I don't know who's at fault. Who's not, but man, this just seems this it seems bad to me. Like Cam Fletcher, I'm sure crossed some sort of line. I'm sure his suspension is deserving. All the, I, I'm not arguing against Cal doing that. What I'm arguing against is making this public and 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 just throwing the kid under the bus and saying he's got to do soul searching. Like I don't I don't understand how that benefits the kid. And and, and you followed it up and you're like, I talked to his mother. They know he knows him and his mother both know that yeah. I love him and I want what's best for him. And it's like you you, you don't always have to tweet it, Cal. You don't mm -hmm. always have to tweet it. That that conversation could have stayed behind closed doors. We could have dealt with this uh and kept it moving. But it, you know, like it 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 just feels like a situation where Kentucky's one and five and Cal is is just desperate for the world to know this is not my fault it's mm -hmm. these kids i mm -hmm. can't get through to these kids mm -hmm. we'll be fine next year don't worry recruits that are coming up the pipeline like when you guys get here we'll we'll figure we'll this be out better. like yeah we'll be back there's yeah. nothing to see here kentucky's fine it's just this group of kids i have man these guys suck get them out of my face mm -hmm. and get these new crop in and and mm -hmm. we'll we'll and remember that's what happened in 2014 i got a new crop and yeah, then we exactly. went to the final four exactly. and then we went undefeated the next year almost and um yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I I, I don't want to get too dramatic. Like, I don't feel like this is the beginning of the end for Cal necessarily. Uh, but if someone wants to make that case, I'll listen because I think the point that should be made is that I don't care how legendary of a coach you are, and Cal is certainly not legendary. You're not bigger. Status. You're not bigger than yeah, Kentucky. Basketball. You're not bigger than Kentucky. Cal's not even legendary status. He's very good. He's Hall of Fame. He's he's great. He's whatever. He's not like don't carve his face on the Mount Rushmore of coach or whatever. I don't care how good you are, Tate. The end always comes like like for you to go out on your own terms. It is very, 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 very rare. I don't care how good you're always sort of forced out. It's always sort of like you you limp across the finish line. And I'm not saying that's what's happening now, but this is why when when he signed a lifetime con contract at Kentucky, people gave it side eye and were like, "Huh." And this is why all the discussions about John Calipari someday jumping to the NBA and Kentucky fans are like, "That will never happen." Never's a long time. Mm -hmm. It could happen. It could always happen. There, th things happen quickly, and the the bottom falls out quickly. And guys that you think will never get fired suddenly get fired. Guys that you think will never do this or that. Billy Donovan's going to be at Florida. He won two national titles. He's going to be at Florida the rest of. Oh shit! He's he's going to the Magic. He's trying to mm -hmm. take the Magic job. What? John Beeline. Same. You know, like yep. there are so many examples of guys that will quote unquote never leave. Will never get fired. Will never. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it happens quick. And I guess. I'm not ready to like make that case with Cal yet, but if someone else wants to, I will just nod along with them and say, good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And, and Cal, I mean, Cal made a 30 for 30 about how he spent his entire coaching career from being a ball boy at Robert Morris to, you know, working his way up to getting, you know, somehow Marcus Camby to want to play with him at UMass to going to Memphis. To, he did the whole spiel and the whole hook of the entire series, the 30 for 30 was, I would never be accepted into this group of blue bloods. I will never be at the actual head table. They will not let me an outsider sit here. And as much as you want to argue that he's not actually an outsider, I can hear that conversation, but that is how John Calipari framed his existence going to Kentucky. I have never been able to be inside the game and Kentucky gave me the the golden ticket to be inside the game Mm -hmm. and they will take it away as quickly as they give it to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the whole point. I'm not saying that Cal's going to get fired. I'm just saying that if you are ignorant enough to think that Big Blue Nation and Kentucky basketball and the powers that be will sit on the sideline while the guy that they gave a golden ticket is not making the ride or the amusement park or Camelot or whatever you want to call it thrive, they won't. And they and they yeah. will they, and they will shouldn't make, and they shouldn't and they should. yeah exactly yeah, honestly so, like if I you mean, had that's... any self respect as a Kentucky fan you shouldn't you should be like listen we yeah. thank you for what you've done but like one in five is unacceptable I don't care how you slice it I don't care yeah I don't care what Cam Fletcher saying in the locker room or any other guy saying in the locker room like the buck has to stop somewhere and Cal like like I said I I don't know what happened but I do know that John Calipari tweeted this and he did not need it. There's, there's no circumstance where John Calipari should tweet this in my opinion. Yeah. There's, there's none. There's literally, I don't care what happened, deal with it behind closed doors. I, I don't know. And that, that to me says that there are some serious problems in Lexington and, um, the only thing I could fix it is playing Louisville on Saturday and smoking the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. getting right back on track. Which That's is what's what I was gonna say. It. Yeah, they'll blow out Louisville. They'll be. They'll be everything will be great. Uh, Flesher will play in the game probably <laughs> yeah, somehow, yeah. and uh, we'll be all past this. But but one last thing, Terrence Clark was the one. I mean, Flesher was the story after the fact. But if you watch the game, Coach Calipari was going at Terrence Clark number five uh the entire game in fact i thought terrence clark left the bench early they, they had footage after the game that said he did not leave the bench early um, but i thought he was the one that he that cal was going after so it's not like a, a an isolated incident you know a lot of people were saying well so you know if the fletcher kid doesn't want to do whatever then get him out of here you know we'll, we'll play with the guys that want to get it together it's like it doesn't seem like it's a singular incident with one player there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts here and uh, it, it's a circus, and I don't know if Cal Perry can get it together. He's obviously not going to do the Calcast this year, um, and <laughs> and that's all we really do know at this point. But he did. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're not going to get that content from him. But he did provide us a picture that I will. I saved to my yeah. phone the moment I saw that. I saved it to my phone. I said, yeah, you just sent it to me. You were like, just go yeah. ahead and save this for the for the. I iPads. am going to use this ten thousand times this season. I think. Just, yeah. Oh, I know. mean, what did Patino say when he saw that picture? I bet he laughed. <laughs> it's like been there before rick patino back to kentucky let's make it happen fingers crossed bring bring slick rick back home uh finally tony guy update we'll make it quick uh virginia still not playing basketball so that's it uh they play gonzaga on saturday i think they got william i think they are back actually tuesday today the the show comes out on tuesday so everyone's listening uh they play william and mary today i guess so they're Mm. the wahoos are back um and they play gonzaga on saturday we'll know a lot more about virginia after Saturday, I will say that much. The, by the way, the point, uh, uh, a point we didn't make about Gonzaga smoking Iowa beyond just like how impressive it was that they played. They've been on break up until mm-hmm. that point. Like mm-hmm. they, they took a two week break, barely practice, and then they go out and, and do that to the number three team in the country. It's insane. Yeah. So. And, and, and like when you don't have to bring that up when it's not a, to- a talking point or whatever, that just goes to show that's how good they were. That no one even thought about that being the case. And uh, yeah, Gonzaga is unbelievable. 
Very, very good. So, uh, all right. I think we got through all the guys. With that, let's talk to Eric Musselman. This is this is, a, this is an interview we've had circled for a very long time. We've been trying to we've been trying to get on the must bus, and it finally happened. Just kind of spur of the moment. Just he basically tweeted a charge wall. He said, <laughs> "We have this charge wall in Arkansas." People sent it to me because I had just gone on a rant about charges, and then I was like, "You should come on the show to talk about it, Coach." And then he called my bluff and was like, "Done. Let's make it happen." And we we did. So uh, that's pretty much it. We had Eric Musselman on the show and. Here's that interview. Before we get to Coach Musselman, quick break to get aware from our sponsor, DraftKings. The 2021 basketball season is here. The teams around the league took the offseason to retool and revamp and are ready to hit the court. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has rolled out another one of their can't-miss offers. Trying DraftKings Sportsbook is easy, so what are you waiting for? Get in on all the action now. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new players 100-to-1 odds on any featured matchup this week. That's right. All you have to do is bet $1 on any featured matchup this week. And if your team wins, you cash a crisp $100. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your own convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TATE when you sign up to get the 100-to-1 odds on any featured matchup this week. That's promo code TATE for new players to get a shot at $100 on any featured matchup this week for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And we are also brought to you by NHTSA. So let me give you a scenario. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe, and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Brought to you by NHTSA. Joining us now is the head coach of your undefeated mm. Arkansas Razorbacks. He is a man we have been trying to get on this program for a very long time. We've been trying to ride the, ride the must bus <laughs> all the way back to his Nevada days. Uh, his name is Eric Musselman. And coach, I, I just said, we were, we've been so excited to get you on the show. If I had to describe our excitement, having you finally join us on the show, I would describe it as Eric Musselman winning the 2017 Mountain West Tournament. And taking his shirt off, <laughs> yes, and spinning it around his and head, and just showing it to the crowd. <laughs> hey, oh, and letting and letting your wife sign your chest too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is that is what's going through our head right now. Having you on the show, uh, I want to start with that. Like, you, that was probably uh, for Tate and I. That was our introduction to you. Certainly in the college basketball realm, you you've mm. been a coach forever, and we can get into that. And you're an NBA head coach, but as it pertains to college basketball. Uh, that was kind of your introduction was winning the Mountain West, taking your shirt. I think that was the first time like college basketball fans were like, who is this guy? You seem to have not let off the gas since. You are just a high energy guy. As a guy who's not a high energy guy, how, why, <laughs> what, <laughs> where does this come from? Explain to me your secrets. I'll tell you what. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on, you guys. But I think really, Mark, like for, for me, it was just having coached in the NBA and, and having two opportunities as a head coach at a really young age 
and then kind of spinning my career in a totally different direction and going college. I mean, the cool thing about being a college basketball coach is being on a uh, campus with other coaches, other sports, uh, being around student athletes. And so I guess as I've gotten older, I've become less old school and more new school and had more Mm -hmm. fun. When I was a younger coach, I kind of got labeled as being a, a disciplined coach, overly serious coach. And so I think actually kind of the perception or whatever has kind of been flipped of what it really is. But I, I like to have fun on social media. My audience uh, is high school guys, you know, and so uh, I might I might embarrass my wife. I might embarrass my uh, two sons in their 20s. I know I embarrass my mother, uh, but I'm not really worried about any of them. I'm just worried about how can I connect with the high school guy. Nice. Isn't that weird to say, Coach? That like uh, you know, you you mentioned it. You coach for the Warriors. You you coach for the Kings. You know, you went through all this professional ranks. You know, the, the the highs of highs, and then you talk about you know the fact that we're just trying to entertain high school kids. I mean, Titus and I had the same conundrum at the end of the day with our show too. We're like we're just entertaining these college kids, but there is a, a vitality, a juice that is in college sports that you don't find at the professional ranks, and I think that's why we love it so much, and obviously why you love it so much, right? Yeah, I mean, just the environments of a, of a college. Like, I love going to college football games and uh, mingling with our fans. And you got I like Sam Pittman. You got Yes Sir there. It's, that's we, a great we time. We do. Yep. I, I mean, to me, it's awesome to go into the student section of a college football game in a normal environment, you know, when you're not in the middle of a, of a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, the one thing, though, Tate, I think it would be arguable whether I actually coach the Kings or not. I know there's a lot of fans in Sacramento <laughs> that did not think I did any coaching when I was with the Kings. <laughs> we call them haters on this program, coach. We, we just toss them to the side. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. All right. I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, part, part of like your, your pitch, we, we've talked about this too, is these recruiting pictures that you do with mm-hmm. uh, guys, which uh, can, can you go over? Um, I'm trying to remember the one, like the, the, the big one that, that caught our attention was when, uh, was it Kalen Robinson? You did the picture of, of Tyron, Tyron Lou, Allen Iverson stepping yep. over. We should point out he is a freshman on your team now. So it worked. Right. <laughs> and, and also I remember you did like the minute bowl, Muggsy Bogues one. <laughs> and that and was with Jalen Williams. Who's here as well. Who's also here. So <laughs> I guess like, I, I don't even have a question. I just want to point out that like, you know, people that might be hating on you saying you're, you're, you're trying too hard or your, your appeals to the youth aren't working. They are, you're landing mm-hmm. these recruits coach. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your, your, your winding path to get here. Uh, first of all, you, you've had in college basketball, there's so many coaches, uh, especially the, the, the legendary coaches that have been at their schools for a million years, coach K Bayheim, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Izzo, the list goes on. You are like the exact opposite. You you have been bouncing around forever. You you are the son of a of a longtime legendary coach who kind of had the same thing going on where he he bounced around a lot. So I guess my first question, Coach, you were born in Ohio, but where would you say you're from? Because that that is important to me. I, I want to know where guys are from. Where where do you say that you are from? If someone asks you that question, Titus, that's the easiest question ever. San Diego, California, man. There's zero <laughs> yeah. doubt. Um, and it's funny because my dad left the University of Minnesota, went and coached the San Diego Sales. They only lasted like four or five games. They folded really quickly. It was the year before the ABA and NBA merged, and the mm-hmm. owner of the San Diego Sales had gotten word that they would not be one of the four teams in the merger. Mm-hmm. So they folded. My dad then really quickly got got a job 
uh, as the head coach of the Virginia Squires in the ABA. Oh, I love it. And my mom put her foot down and said, we are not moving out of San Diego to follow <laughs> your dad around coaching. So my mom and I stayed in San Diego, and then I went to the University of San Diego for college. So the perfect day for me is eating a carne asada burrito um, from one of those small taco shops on Mission Beach and me being able to ride my beach cruiser uh, around for a couple hours. That's like the perfect day for me. Well, it sounds like it sounds like if 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 uh, some recruit out there has his list narrowed down to Arkansas and San Diego State, you're just gonna wave the white flag and be like, "Listen, man, I get it. I get it." If you want to, and Coach Dutch is pretty cool. So yeah, I you're like, "Listen, I, if you want to go to San Diego State, I get it." Like you're. you're you know. <laughs> and coach, coach, is it true that you actually grew up? I know Lombardi is a mutual friend of friend of ours, Michael Lombardi. Uh, I know that you were a true Chargers fan, right? So like, uh, what? How are you holding up this season? How are you dealing with Anthony Lynn? Uh, is there any hope for the Chargers? Uh, I know Justin Herbert is there. Like, what, what's what's going on in your world as far as being a Chargers fan? You know, when they when they moved uh, Tate, when they moved up to LA, uh, my love affair of the Chargers, you know, not quite the same when they oh. were playing in Jack Murphy. Um, so I'm now a, a full fledged San Diego Padre fan for sure, <laughs> and uh, you know, love Will I, I don't really know what. The, I'm not really buying the Chargers right now. I'm I'm uh, really disappointed. I mean, they can't win a close game. Obviously, they got a young quarterback that's got a great future, but I'm going to assume there's going to be some changes coming there. Mm. True yeah, San Diego I, sports fan. We love. Yeah, to see I, it. I'm surprised that you're so. Uh, I, I don't know what I expected. I, I guess it makes sense, but I, I uh, yeah, I expected you to not be so just adamant that you're from San Diego. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I guess you threw I was, Titus for a loop. Yeah, coach. I know. That's I good. did. When's the last time? When's the last? Where, where, where'd you grow up? At, or not grow up, but like born? Your dad was a coach at Ashland, right? When's the last time you've been to Ashland, Ohio, coach? Titus, I haven't been back since the day he left. <laughs> <That's> uh, <laughs> that, that does not surprise me. That one does not surprise me. Um, in all seriousness, so you're you're uh with how much of, of your dad moving around, like how much of an influence does your dad have on your coaching style, your, your philosophies towards uh, maybe taking jobs and being willing to move? And because it is kind of a risk. I mean, taking different jobs is a risky thing. And I think guys get stuck in their ways and especially guys that uh, get a taste of college basketball. And they're like, I, I can just be here forever and I never have to take a risk or change anything. So how much of your dad's influence uh, lives through you, I guess would be my question with various things. I think really, Titus, like if you lined up the two uh, resumes or bios or whatever you want to say, it's eerie uh, how similar. I mean, the only difference really was mm -hmm. my dad started off at the collegiate level mm -hmm. before he went to the pros. Um, and he was a big influence on me going into the pro game early. So when I graduated from the University of San Diego, I went and worked for the L.A. Clippers selling tickets which I'm going to tell you right now, the hardest job in the world was selling tickets for the LA Clippers in 1988-89. That was like the worst job ever. Like no one was buying a ticket. You couldn't even give a ticket away to a Clipper game. Um, and, but but our, our, uh, our bios are really, really similar. And our minor league winning percentages are like 0.3 different. So it's, it's really wild how similar our, our paths were but he was my idol he was my best friend um, I got to work with him with the Timberwolves which is one of the greatest experiences ever to be able to sit next to your dad and 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 work with him although I found out how truly crazy he, tr he was 
um, by working with him, but it was an awesome experience. And, and now having my son work for me, uh, both at Nevada and Arkansas is really cool as well. But, you know, that winding path and taking other jobs, I've, I've always looked at, you know, challenges. I loved coaching the Dominican Republic national team. I loved coaching the Venezuelan national team. It was awesome coaching the minor leagues, the G league, anything could happen, but, but there was never a boring day. And so I, I wouldn't trade the way that my career has gone uh, for anything. I love all the experiences that I've had. You, uh, you just mentioned that you coached the Dominican Republic national team, which I think I would, I would dare to say that 99% of our listeners had no idea that that was a thing. But they do know that John Calipari also coached Dominican yes, Republic for Carl Towns, team. Yeah. His move when he did it is he got Carl Towns, as Tate said. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he cut a, if I remember correctly, Charlie Villanueva was like a 10-year <laughs> NBA veteran. John Calipari cut him from the team to put 16-year-old Carl Towns on there. And then Carl Towns went to Kentucky. So that makes sense. Why, why did you do it? Why, why did you coach Venezuela, <laughs> Dominican Republic? Who did you cut and who did you yeah. sign? <laughs> what NBA player did you bitch? <laughs> Well, since you guys brought up Coach Cal, the truth is I, I actually coached the team the year before Coach Cal took over. <laughs> and Coach Cal called me, and I had already got – I already had a contract to coach the, the the DR team that third year it would have been for me. And Coach Cal said, hey, can you do a little write-up on all the Dominican guys that you had the year before? And I said, well, what, why do you want them? And he said, well – Coaching, coaching the DR team. And I said, well, I got a contract in my email inbox. About two weeks. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm coaching the team. So that's how I found out I was not being brought back. Um, and then real quickly, Venezuela hired me. And the very first tournament we were together at, a lot of those, you know, the teams all eat in the same, you know, dining hall or whatever. And I look over and cows at a table with some 6'10 dude that I didn't have the year before. And then I found out, oh, yeah, that's Carl Anthony Towns. No wonder he wanted to coach that team. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Man, what a story. And, Coach, to piggyback off that a little bit, I want to ask you just about the coaching fraternity because Titus and I, you know, we see all these guys are all interconnected. I mean, if you go through your tree, I think you work for Mike Fratello and Lon Kruger, who's now at Oklahoma, and Doc Rivers, who's obviously on the Sixers. And you have the five-star connection with your dad. And, you know, there's the Hubie Browns of the world. And Coach Calipari was there. And just when you look at the landscape of college basketball and all these coaches, how much do you feel like, one, it is a fraternity and you guys are all connected, and two, how much of a responsibility is for you guys to kind of pass that, you know, that knowledge, that torch on to the next generation? Because we, we all need that basketball knowledge to be passed on somewhere, and uh, you guys seem to all be from the same, you know, kind of basis, uh, you know, of understanding of the game at some level. I think it's really important, Tate. Like, you know, my, uh, my career, you know, really changed when I got to work for Chuck Daly. Mm. Um, in Orlando, it was, it was coach Daly's last year coaching and he was 69 years old and he was really coaching the coaches more than he was even coaching our team. Um, but, but it took one phone call, uh, from Chuck Daly to the golden state warriors ownership, uh, to get my, my foot in the door. Um, and he changed it by also introducing me to people like Mike Fratello and then Mike Fratello had coached doc rivers. And so mm. that's how I got to, to work for, you know, three legends. It was it was Coach Daly, and then Coach Daly to to Coach Fratello, the Czar, the Telestrator, and then to Doc. And I think that for me, actually, in the college game, I feel a little bit of an outsider because so much of my career was in the pro game, 
And I've only been a head coach at the collegiate level now for five years, which is really, really short when you start talking about the people that I'm competing against on a nightly basis in the SEC. I mean, these guys are legends. They've been a part of college basketball, um, you know, for a really, really long time. Um, I feel much more of a connection uh, with the NBA coaches. But when you start talking about passing the game down, think about, you know, the way that European basketball is now influencing U.S. basketball. And it all started by people like Chuck Daly, Hubie Brown, Mike Fratello going overseas and doing clinics many, many years ago. And now actually the coaching probably over there is better but they learned from a lot of the American coaches who were willing to share and do coaching clinics overseas and abroad. Mm. So, so if I was to say you can't pick Bill Musselman as your answer, and I asked you what coaching tree you belong to, is it Chuck Daly? If you had to pick, because we, we, we love assigning About, guys to coaching trees as well mm-hmm. on this program, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's always very complicated. Right as, all right. <laughs> Chuck, Put me right Chuck, on that coach. There you go. Eric Musselman. Out of the uh, official post, yeah, yeah. Post- post- put him on the tree. <laughs> the job All right, uh, we've put this off long enough, coach. We, we, we've tried to just kind of ease our way into this conversation. I, I can't, the, the, the time for pleasantries are over. We have to get to the real reason that you're on the show, <laughs> which is that you tweeted the other day that the Arkansas men's basketball program has what you're calling the charge wall, <laughs> where you take pictures of guys who are protecting their genitals as they're falling over backwards. <laughs> And you post them on a wall. And uh, the reason this caught my attention, a lot of people were tagging me in it because I am on a tirade, like a lot of people in uh, college basketball media right now. I am on a mission to get rid of the charge. And I say mm. this as a guy who took 10 billion charges in my career, <laughs> certainly not in college, but you know, we have to hash this out, coach. So like, you, you obviously love the charge. Are, are we sure? <laughs> I guess my question is, are we sure? <laughs> what is it about well, the charge? Why do we have a charge wall? So, so first of all, Titus, the truth of the story, in the four years that I played college basketball, I probably never took a charge. I, first oh, of all, I wasn't in the it. game long enough to take a charge. But I was, there's no way I was putting my body in front of anybody to take a charge at five foot seven, a buck 40. So that was out the window. I actually agree with you. And I think that <laughs> to make the game cosmetically pleasing – I don't like the charge because there's just too much uncertainty. Is he outside the charge circle? Is he? I, right. I think when they added that charge circle, it convoluted it. However, we do have the rules that there is a charge. And so for us, you know, from a weak side defender or a guy that's two passes removed from the ball, because uh, Coach Tom Thibodeau and I are really good friends, and the whole base of his defense when he was with Boston as an assistant for Doc, and then – when he was with the Bulls and the Timberwolves, they played such great weak side defense and guys were so pulled in that it was hard to score. So the charge wall has not been a part of my career up until about three weeks ago. And the reason we started it is our first three games, we did not take a charge. It was 7-0. Opposition had drawn seven charges. Arkansas had zero. So I started this charge wall that, you know, I thought maybe if we put their pictures up there, they'd get a little bit more excited about taking the charge. So I know the social media stuff, like I hate to be soft and back off, 
but I really agree with you. That's I just can't tell my team. <laughs> so so you're basically saying you're taking like a Sean Miller approach because this is what Sean Miller's been saying with his press conferences lately. Is like he, he Arizona's been getting called for charges left and right, and Sean Miller's like we're just gonna take. I guess for the next week of practice, we're just gonna do nothing but practice charges. And I think, but isn't this part of the problem, Coach? Is that because uh, because I don't fault the teams, the coaches, the players, whatever for basically exploiting a loophole, which is how I see it. Is like the rule says you can get the ball back if you do this, so we should probably do that and get the ball back. But how do we? How are we ever going to fix this in college basketball? Um, because yeah, you're a guy who coached in the NBA. You know what like high level basketball looks like. You you can you can envision a world where. Uh, a guy is is going up for a dunk, and instead of grabbing your testicles and falling over, that defender like jumps up and walls up and tries to block the shot. That's more. That's better basketball. That's what we all want to see. But how do we? How do? What can I do? What can Tate and I do <laughs> to make sure that like those sorts of plays start happening and less of the like guys like throwing their shoulder and then kind of falling back at a weird angle? Like we don't want to see any more of that. I don't blame you guys. Just keep doing what you're doing because word's spreading <laughs> nationally. What you right. guys are putting out. But the verticality thing is so important in the NBA game um, because the game happens so, so quickly. You can't be worried about the charge circle. And, and uh, you know, I mean, European basketball, they flop a lot. They take a lot of charges. But, yeah, I think that there's so many. Like, for me, the charge rule, um, the – why don't we have four quarters like everybody else in the world does? Women's college basketball has it. The G League has it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody's got it Eva. except men's college basketball. So I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of rule changes. And when I was actually in the G League, I love the FIBA knock the ball off the rim when it's mm-hmm. live. I wish that we had that. I mean, anybody that's been a part of that FIBA rule, everybody loves it. But yet college basketball won't. Mm-hmm. Do it. And my opinion is there's a lot of older coaches that have a lot of weight in the college game and they don't want to go with change. And therefore, the rules stay the way they are, which say a it, lot of them are archaic, to be honest. Say it, Tate. Say that, who, who are some of these older coaches, Tate? I mean, he, he said it. <laughs> he said archaic and he said a K and he said it was a hard K. We know who it was. Uh, well, we won't say it for you, coach. But I do find it fascinating that you do put the charge wall public, coach. And uh, I think this is very smart. This is savvy PR because then you endear yourselves to the college basketball community. Even if, even if you don't agree with it, you're telling us on the record you don't agree with charges, but you put the charge wall up. You get your players taking charges. The college basketball old heads love you. They're like, look at Coach Musselman, you know, pushing our agenda for charges. And yet, deep down the whole time, you're like, this is idiotic. And as soon as I get a chance, I'll let you guys know that. But for now, we'll just put it out to the world. We support that. That's smart. I think that's good PR. Well, just like Titus said, we got to do everything we can to get the ball back some way, shape, (laughs) and it works. yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what I said. Like my my uh dis, my disdain of charges isn't that like I don't I, I, my my frustration comes from my own career, coaches, because <laughs> I took so many charges, and when I was taking the charges, I wasn't thinking I'm making a selfless play and I'm a great basketball player with a high IQ. I was thinking mm. I have no other way of making a play here, <laughs> so I'm gonna try. I'm gonna just try a hail mary and like fall over and see if that works. That's that was what I was thinking, and uh. I don't know. I just want to. I, I. 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 was more. I was more prepared to fight you, Coach. I really was. Like, yeah. I, thought, I thought you were going to be. I like, think this really turned out great. Charges. This yeah, turned this, out well. Yeah. Yeah. We're all on the same side here. All the rules that the NBA have, I think. I actually think the game is more pleasing to watch, more cosmetically 
mm-hmm. pleasing to the eye. And I think that's what the NBA does a great job is constantly talking about rule changes uh, that, that maybe benefit the offense a little bit more to create more yeah. scoring opportunities. And, uh, you know, I think that at the end of the day, this is still an entertainment business. And so what makes the, the game the most entertaining to me is always in the best interest of the players and coaches and fans. Just not the uh, just not the James Harden step back. That's a trap. We can't have that in college. I'll, I'll, they'll be got, my dad will have an aneurysm if he watches <laughs> guys with the James Harden step back getting away with that. Uh, before we let you go, Coach, uh, you guys are seven zero. As I said at the top of this interview, uh, you're playing good basketball, but also we'll say your schedule hasn't exactly been the strongest. Which I don't say is a slight. I say it more as like people listening probably haven't watched a lot of Arkansas basketball this year because you're not. You know, there's not, a, you haven't had like a game that's like, we must watch this game. Uh, so give us the scouting report a little bit. Like why, what, what are we going to see when the SEC season kicks off? SEC has some surprise teams. I mean, Missouri's playing really well. Kentucky's mm-hmm. kind of nosedive, but Tennessee's good. You guys are certainly undefeated. Uh, so when, when we turn on our TVs, we see undefeated Arkansas versus maybe Missouri or Tennessee. What are we, uh, what are we going to see from the Razorbacks? I think that's a great question, Titus. We're, we're still trying to figure out who we are. Um, when we went into the schedule, our thing was we had an opportunity to play eight non-conference games and then the, the ninth being at Oklahoma State in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. And so our whole thing was how do we limit travel? Um, how do we get as many games in, meaning not have cancellations, because um, we did not want to be a team that was that was on pause due to COVID, and we wanted to do the best we possibly could. So I think we're still a work in progress. We have, you know, four freshmen that were a top 10 recruiting class. Uh, those guys, just as any freshman, are continuing to try to figure out roles, and we're trying to figure out their game. And then we have a couple of guys that sat out last year and seven foot three Connor Vanover and J.D. Note, who's a scoring guard. And then we have three grad transfers. And so we're trying to kind of mix all these guys together. And we're certainly a work in progress. We're, we're not a finished product. But, uh, you know, we, we got one more non-conference game. And then we head into conference play. And we'll find out really quickly how good we really are. Absolutely. Coach, one last thing before we let you go. I have to ask you because 2018 was a special tournament for Titus and I. We were fully locked in and we were all about the memes. Like yeah, we had the muscle meme, which was obviously your entire family and your daughter, especially. And then we had Sister Jean, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Sister Meme. You guys met in the Sweet 16. It was this joyous moment of, you know, who, you know, push comes to shove. What what can we do here? We obviously sided with, with muscle meme. Uh, ha- have you thought about Sister Jean? Have you seen <laughs> Sister Jean since? Um, was it just a flash in the pan moment? That, that was my last thing that I had to ask you before we get out of here. Well, my daughter, I'll tell you a quick story if we got time. I, right When we lost uh, in the Sweet 16, we were getting ready to go to the Final Four, you know, a couple weeks later, whatever, a week and a half later. And my wife said, hey, I need a picture of you. And I said, what do you need a picture of me for? And she said, well, for a media credential. And I said, what do I need a media credential at the Final Four? And she said, well, the only way you can get in the back with your daughter is with the media credentials. So I said, hold up. So you're telling me that I just coached in a sweet 16 game. And now I got to have a media credential for my seven-year-old daughter as she works for March interviewing all these people. So my, my daughter capitalized on our sweet 16 run way more than I did. She actually interviewed sister Jean. They became friends. Yes. And one of the, my daughter wears to bed at night is still a free shirt that sister Jean had given her 
from that wow. Loyola game. <laughs> oh that's amazing God. we love wow. to hear that we love to hear that love to hear that the connection is still there coach yeah we need to uh <laughs> we need we need another mariah musselman moment though i mean like yes. that was that was nice and all but we gotta we gotta we gotta go on this another run coach it's we a final four the, run this we need time. the update yeah. yeah we need like yeah I, I feel like her and uh uh who was it uh the the northwestern crying kid and like yeah, we, we, yeah. we need like some updates so yeah we need we need mariah we needed a, a great run from all Arkansas. the mascots of march madness i had two other questions before i go uh we, we talked about all the stops you've had and and all and and your recruiting strategy and all that who is the one guy uh that you coached or uh was your assistant that uh along the way that people forget that you coached or uh, I, I, I'm picturing myself where you're recruiting someone and you're saying, yeah, you know, I coached this guy. And then the recruits like, what you coach that guy. Who, mm -hmm. Who's the guy? Cause like, you know, Tate and I, we, we kind of have an idea of your career, but it's, it's hard to follow all the twists and turns. So who's the guy that like people have no idea that you coached like way back in the day or whatever else. I mean, I mean, on a recruiting visit, the guy that's the most entertaining to tell us, stories about for sure are Ron Artest now known as Meta World Peace. So um. I mean I can kill a three hour recruiting dinner with Meta World Peace stories and have people on the ground die laughing. That's easy. <laughs> All right. right. <laughs> but then that's, I, <laughs> that's a great answer. That's a, there's that's a, a great lot answer. There's a lot of other guys too, I think that, you know, have their own story. Like a lot of people don't know that I I had coached Jeremy Lynn um, right before the Lynn Sanity story took off in New York, he was playing for me with the Reno Bighorns. And uh, Danny Green played in the backcourt with Jeremy Lynn on that same team. And obviously, Danny has now been a part of not one, but several NBA championships. So yep. um, I, I could go on and on. I mean, having been an assistant coach with Paul Gasol, there's some great stories about him. And people don't understand. Like when I was with Orlando, uh, we had Penny Hardaway. Uh, Horace Grant got some great Ronnie Cycli stories. Um, so just a lot of guys, a um, lot of lot of really good stories. Some stories just for the recruit, others for parents. Some parents can't hear. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but a lot of good stories. That's what I mean. You must be the most networked guy in basketball. Just all the stops you've had, and all the people you've coached with, and coached. You know, I, it's just. I don't know. It's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, my, my last question is this coach. How can we, we've been on the must bus for a while. As we said, basically the moment we saw you take your shirt off when you won mm -hmm. the mountain West. And I just, I said to myself, my God, if he's going to do that when they win the mountain West, what's he going to do if they make the final fours? Cause <laughs> that, that is, that is terrifying to think about. Uh, ever since then, we've been on the must bus. You're now at Arkansas. Um, how can we help? How, how, what can we do to help with this? I feel like Arkansas, mm. you guys have a good thing going, you know, you won the, the, as a program, I mean, you know, you won a national title in 94, but, but, it, but it's been a while since then. We're trying to like reinvigorate this. I was looking up the alumni of Arkansas, sneakily one of the great alumni bases yep. in terms of money. <laughs> yeah, Jerry Jones, uh, yeah. you even got stars like John Daly and now little John Daly's going to be there You got the soon. Walmart family, the Tyson yep. Foods family, yep. like the the Diller depart like there's a lot of money that could be pumped through here. Uh, I, I'm just trying to connect the pieces, coach, and I'm trying to figure out where Tate and I fit into this. How can we help the must bus? You just let us know. Yeah, we're here. We're here. To we're help here. Us, Anytime so. you need us, coach. Well, it is interesting because I live in the same. I live in a a, a little golf uh, the blessings, which is owned by jo uh, John, you know Tyson from Tyson Foods, mm -hmm. and so there is a lot of great boosters here. Without JB Hunt's here. Um, mm. you know, Walmart last night, we saw a Christmas, 
uh, special that Walmart had. I like, where did this drone Christmas special come from? And there's, oh, it's only in eight places in the United States. And I'm looking at these cities and looking at these venues. And then ours had an outdoor movie theater, a drive-in movie theater. And so we're, we're privy to a lot of cool things here in Northwest Arkansas. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's a great pitch, Coach. That's all we need to hear. We'll sign, uh, we'll sign up whenever. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck to the to the Razorbacks. The the you, you call yourself the Hogs, right? There's like a is there a, is there a pig call? Is the, am I understanding this correctly? Have you figured this out? Oh yeah, there's they, a hog call for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Can, can you do it? Can you give us an example? Is that? Yeah, I mean, basically, you go up. You know, ooh, yeah. ooh. gotta go. Ooh. First ones, it, you get it's it's a big thing. I got. I mean, it takes much time. You gotta have rhythm. Uh, you gotta have some soul. Yeah. And you know, it's it's three times the last ones. Pig suey, Razorback. It's a whole big thing. Yeah. Uh, but our crowd is really into it. You go to a baseball game. It usually happens about fifteen times in a baseball game. <laughs> yeah. You go to a football game. It happens about twenty-five times. All right. And then we have the hog call a lot at hoop games as well. Oh, we love it. Well, we love uh, it. when when the world is less crazy and fans are allowed back in, we're gonna come down to Bud Walton Arena and, and watch you guys. Uh, love it. Upset yep. a upset a very young Kentucky team that looks shell shocked to be on the road <laughs> in such an environment is is my prediction. I think that's the game we'll come. That to. sounds so, perfect. And we, and I got both you guys since since I'm on Titus and Tate, one of the most awesome shows I could be on. Definitely got to get you guys uh, some Razorback gear. So need oh, yeah. that oh. address. We'll get in the mail ASAP. All right. Thanks, Coach. You're the best. Best of luck this year. Thanks, Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, thank you to Coach Musselman for joining us. We are we are firmly on the must bus. Uh, before we get back to the podcast, though, Tate, I want to talk about our great friends, our great capital G-R-E-A-T friends at Homage. I have known Ryan Vessler, the founder of Homage, for well over 10 years now. We first met in a Ohio State mm. compliance office. He walks in wearing, uh, like, pajama pants and disheveled hair and a, a throwback T-shirt, and he tells me, mm. I make T-shirts, and I want to make – a club trillion shirt <laughs> just for you. And a partnership was born, Tate. That, that look at this. Ten, ten, this. This might be the longest relationship I've ever had in my life is the relationship with Amish. That's the point of the story, I think. So if you are a listener to the show and you're, you're telling yourself, how can I support Titus and Tate? I'm telling you right now, clear as day, you support Amish, you're supporting Titus and Tate. That's how this works. The good people at Amish pay tribute to your favorite teams and iconic moments with sports, pop culture, and more with ultra comfortable, high quality clothing for the whole Family, head to homage.com for the softest hoodies, sweats, tees from the NBA, NFL, NCAA, WWE. I love their WWE shirts. They're so fun. Uh, movies, more, whatever, you you name it, they have shirts for it, and they are so comfortable. I own literally over 100 Homage shirts. Mm. It is uh, basically all I wear. I'm wearing an Homage shirt right now, actually. I'm wearing a... I'm wearing a big league shoe one. That's a that's a throwback classic. Plus, Titus and Tate listeners can snag 20% off your first order with code TNT. Grab a gift for every all-star on your team or yourself and pay homage. Go to homage.com, TNT, for 20% off. Homage.com. Love you guys. And one more thing before we get back to the show. Do you own or rent your home? I'm talking to you, the listener, the friend of the program. Of course you do. What other options are there? And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. What does that mean? That means you save money. 
That means you have everything just nice and easy, nice and smooth. It is a good thing because you already have so much to do around your home. So just go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much money you can save today. It is Geico easy. Visit Geico.com. Geico.com. All right, before we get to shout-outs, close out state, let's quickly uh, – what, what are some other games we need to hit? Can we, can we talk about Ohio State being UCLA? I guess that has implications for the uh, the podcast. I mean, I don't really want to puff my chest out and say Ohio State is back. And uh, we, we lost to Purdue. We didn't have EJ Liddell, as I pointed out. So that game technically doesn't even count. Uh, EJ Liddell comes back. We beat UCLA. I, I'm not bringing it up to say that Ohio State – is, as you said earlier in the show, the team that everyone should be focused on in the Big Ten. Um, I, I, I disagree with that sentiment. But we need to bring it up because this had Pac-12 updated implications. The, the winner of this game, you, you adopted UCLA because uh, North Carolina dodged Ohio State. They ducked Ohio State. They didn't want to play Ohio State. UCLA took their place. And then we said, this is going to be the game. The winner gets to do the Pac-12 update, and Ohio State won. So there it is. Yeah, I will say congratulations to you. You finally earned it. You finally have this. This is something that was supposed to be a punishment that turned into a reward. And I feel like that's the beauty of our show. You know what I mean? You can flip it however, which way you want. And uh, now I'm excited to sit back, relax, let you talk about the Pac-12. You Tom Sawyer my ass. Can we just point that out that you're painting the fence and you're like, man, this is the most fun I've ever had painting this fence. And I'm like, no, hang on a like, second. That does look like a pretty good. I want to paint that fence. <laughs> this is, this, let yeah. me do the Pac-12 update. <laughs> it's going to be fun because like, I like to hear more about the Pac-12 than, it, than I do like watch and research and, uh, and engage with the Pac-12. So, like, I'm actually a better, I think, audience of the Pac-12 update. You are probably a better uh, gatherer of information yeah. for the Pac-12 update. Yeah. So I think this is going to work out perfectly. This is what we needed. Because what I love to, <laughs> I, what I love to do is just Google the phrase "Pac-12 basketball" <laughs> and then go straight to the bottom and click on page seven yes. of the Google search, and then like yes. find a headline yes. and yes. report that. UCLA to the women's yeah. basketball making the switch to Jordan Brand. Pac-12 <laughs> update. But I will say um, Ohio State just to quickly give them the little kudos. Uh, I think that Chris Holtman is Mr. December officially. No, yeah, I think stop so. it. Don't do that. So. Just, shut up. Shut no fault. False. Cut right. that out. I think we're, we're, I think last no. year I didn't no. notice it because I was I was too caught up. But I think that Ohio State no. they own they own the you. CBS Sports Classic. They own December. We don't know what happens don't after that, you. but December wise they own it. Mr. December, Chris Oldman. And uh I think he deserves that. You're not wrong, and that's what hurts the most. <laughs> we do get very, very hot in December, and then conference it's play all starts. Right. And, I see it. And we slip, and, and then we suck in mm. January, and then February we start picking it back up, and then we lose in the second round of the NCAA tournament. And we're like, hey, yeah, yeah. Good and, year. Then, and then you guys say we just ran out of time. We, we, uh, yeah. We just ran yeah. out of time. Yeah, yeah. We were, we were peaking. <laughs> if, if the tournament was held if it in, were April, in May, like Patino really wanted, good. we would have yeah. won it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, good to have EJ Liddell back. Seth Towns yep. is back too. That that to me was the big bullet point of this. Seth Towns, it's been almost two years since he played basketball, and uh, it's been over two. I I've lost count. Uh, he only played a, played a couple. He played a couple minutes, is, right? Yeah, yeah. He only got in for two minutes. Missed one shot. Almost had a two trillion. But just to see him back out there was awesome. So I I don't know how much he's going to matter to Ohio State moving forward because I don't know if how healthy he really is or what he has yeah. left in the tank in terms of his knees. Like, cause it, it seems like he had some pretty serious injuries going on, but, uh, you know, he's back and that's, that's exciting for mm -hmm. him. Good for him. Like it's, it's one of those moments that I'm sure just for him personally, just to be able to play real life basketball was awesome. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. But, good to see Seth Towns doing that. Anyway. 
Also, I want to shout out Johnny Juzang, who I thought uh, was going to be the guy. We talked about going into the show <laughs> that there was going to be a kid on UCLA. I was going to come away hating someone on UCLA, and Juzang started out hot, and I was like, this is going to be the kid. I'm mm. going to hate him. I'm going to hate him so much, and then he kind of cooled off. But uh, there, there was a moment in time, like at the under-12 timeout, where I was like, I Johnny Juzang's going to rip my heart out today. And then he went one for six from a three-point line, and I wasn't as mad. But uh, yeah, it was shaping up to be that, so... For a moment in time, I was like, add Johnny Juzang to the Marcus Carr. Yeah, Tony yeah. There was, a, there was a level of Jay Kaiman not playing that I thought was kind of Mick Cronin trying to be nice to you. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you, you Coach Cronin. And also Chris Smith. I uh, <laughs> I have no words. I, uh, I, I, I don't know what's <laughs> happening. The Chris Smith National Player of Keep the Year it. bandwagon is not as hot as we thought it would be. Um, in fact, like I, I went on the UCLA like message boards just to like you know get an idea of what's going on. They hate Chris Smith. I uh, I I, I, oh, I did no. not know that they did, but uh, they, they, I mean they they all they honestly hate they everybody. hate because like they're they're a tough fan. Yeah, it's true. They're, they're really tough. They like that's Tiger true. Campbell. Um, that's probably the only person I see nice things about. But everybody else, they just get it. Well, I. In all seriousness, I uh, I, I still like Same. UCLA, and I, and, yeah. I, and I said I'm gonna I'm gonna continue saying that UCLA will be down seven in the first round of the NIT, and I'll be like I like this yeah. UCLA team, but I, I kind of said that that was gonna happen going into this game. To me, Ohio State and UCLA were very similarly matched teams. Um, Ohio State just made a few more plays down. Even if you like look at the box scores, like the stat, there's nothing that jumps out. It's like man, UCLA has to clean that up, or and Ohio State was just like four percent tougher yeah. down the stretch. They made one or two more shots, and they won the game. And someone had to win, someone had to lose. I don't think you said losing this game means that they're done for, or they're frauds, or anything but, like that. They're just not. They're obviously not like upper echelon national title good, but they're fine. They're 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 a fine basketball team until it does. You know, it does. Pack twelve play starts, and they start losing. Yeah, it, it makes me feel like Mick Cronin is going to have what he had last year, which is like at the start of the year, Prince Ali was the the guy he thought. And then around January, he was like, this guy is out of the rotation. And I, I do think there's one of those moves that he's going to make. And I pray to, I pray to God. <laughs> I pray to God every night, Mark Titus. It's not Chris Smith. Uh, because that would be terrible. And uh, I would hate to see that. I think it's going to be Juzang. Uh, and that's a hot take. But I think mm. that he might be the one uh, that gets taken out. Because they love Hami. Uh, and uh, yeah, they do like, he's Hami. not going to come out. And I think Juzang's actually more uh negative than positive even though i think he had 13 points in this game he i i could see yeah. him getting pulled and uh i think he's hurting christmas game <laughs> there, there we know this there will be a scapegoat yeah, yeah, exactly. we've not we've not figured out yet all right so uh, my first responsibility is a pac-12 update usually moving forward we are going to save the pac-12 updates for friday mm -hmm. shows but we're not doing a show this friday uh i guess we maybe should have said that at the top of the show it, it will be christmas day so uh we're sorry. That's yeah. kind of why. Yeah, we're sorry. <laughs> that, but that's also why we're doing a very mm -hmm. long show today. So I'm going to do a Pac-12 update just really please. quick right now. All there really is to report from the Pac-12 is BYU beat San Diego mm. State, and San Diego State is no longer undefeated. And the, the San Diego State undefeated watch part two is officially over. And uh, that's kind of a bummer on the one hand. But on the other hand, we love Mark Pope, so... Congrats to BYU for that. They won by 10. It was a very weird game. Like, BYU was winning the whole time. Matt Mitchell played out of his mind for San Diego State. Brings San Diego mm -hmm. State back. I, I think at one point yeah, they, they tied the yep. game. And then BYU wins by 10. And it was like, a, 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 you look at the box score, you look at the final margin of victory, you look at like how long BYU led, and you're like, oh, they kicked their ass. And they kind of did, but then there was also a moment in time where you're like, oh my God, San Diego State's going to do it. They're going to come back and, and, and win this thing. 
not not the case. So, yeah, there you go. That's your. I like it. And shout out to the young Pope, Mark Pope, uh, one of our favorite coaches. And uh, we were having the, we had this weird moment earlier, like when the season first kicked off, where we looked at each other and we were like, "Wow, is BYU not going to really be in the conversation this year? Because you know they're not as good as they were last year. They lost Toulson and Yoli Childs, and yeah, like even though they got you know harms there, they're not quite the team that's going to contend. Will we even talk about them? And the fact that they got this big West Coast win. They give you know the undefeated Aztecs their first loss. Uh, I, I think it was good to be on the national radar and good for BYU and good for Coach Pope. So we love to see it. Good, uh, good Pac-12 update. I'm looking up. I'm looking up right now when BYU plays Gonzaga, February sixth. Mm. Do we think? No, that's no. Oh my God, Gonzaga at BYU is the last. Yeah, game it's of the perfect. Season. It's February yeah, yeah. 27th, and the reason I bring that up is because Gonzaga is going to lose that game. Gonzaga, BYU is going to have a full mm-hmm. full arena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Enough time is going to pass. They they are they are going to figure out a way to be like, yeah, we looked at all our protocols. We think we're pretty good to go here in in Provo. So let's uh let's, let's yeah. let everyone in. Yeah, let's uh let's get buck. And Gonzaga loses Gonzaga. by yeah. twenty points, and no one understands it, and they still win the national championship. Yeah. And uh, they were a two seed in the tournament, and everyone's like, wait, what? That seems yeah. seems right. So yeah, your Pac twelve update: San Diego State no longer undefeated. You're undefeated. We have I I I was going to put together a list of all the teams that are undefeated and have us guess at who's going to be the last one now because it's not going to be San Diego State this year. There are like forty five teams yeah. that are still undefeated. Yeah, because a lot of teams haven't even played yet. There there's actually like more than that, but I I didn't add the Ivy League teams. I didn't add. I think Bethune Cookman's <laughs> not playing this year. What about Temple? Has Temple <laughs> played a game to- yet? They might be undefeated. I don't. I think they have DePaul yeah. definitely has. I don't think DePaul's playing all year. <laughs> yeah. I think this is a put him in the tournament. DePaul is <laughs> best resume I've seen. They're going to be zero and zero heading into the tournament, and they're going to be mm. very fresh. So, of the like upper echelon teams that are undefeated right now, we have Gonzaga, Baylor, Houston, Tennessee, Michigan, Rutgers, Missouri, Arkansas, SMU, Xavier. Mm. It's going to be Gonzaga. Yeah, it's right? got to be Gonzaga. But I, I, my favorite one in the. I, could uh, be yeah, Baylor. Baylor's up there. Those are realistic ones. My favorite one that if it happened, it would blow everyone's mind. Kind of like Arizona State when they did it that one year, in, in like January 10th, I think was the last game that they lost. Uh, Rutgers. I like Rutgers. I like Rutgers. Rutgers, Rutgers just, yeah. just rolls on. and uh, Rutgers is at Ohio State yeah. Wednesday. Um, and then they have, to open January, they have Iowa and Michigan State. Win them all. Yeah, it's, Win it's them still- all. Yeah, them just, just yeah. run them off. If, I mean, if Rutgers, if Rutgers is undefeated after the first of January, <laughs> they're going to be number one in the country. I think. I think they might jump Gonzaga. I think it's Rutgers versus the field at that point. I think Rutgers basketball it's, is officially the um, the, the the sleeper. I would pick. Uh, I, they should have odds for this, by the way. How mm. can you not bet on this? You Someone, should be able to bet someone's on this betting into on a this. season. Yeah, I'm sure you can. The sleeper pick because Gonzaga and Baylor are definitely the favorites. Baylor's schedule doesn't really get tough in terms of Big Twelve play till like January twelfth. Mm. I think they might be the favorite, honestly, because Gonzaga has Virginia. Baylor's they have a cakewalk till West Virginia on the twelfth. But Michigan, Tate, not because Michigan is awesome, but they're okay. But they're not, you know, whatever. But their schedule is very mm. favorable. They have at Nebraska and Maryland, then versus Northwestern and Minnesota. And then on January 9th, they go to Penn State. Like that's, those are the first, that that's their next stretch of games that Michigan basketball has. Big 10, mm. top to bottom, anybody can mm. beat anybody. None of those are free wins. 
But that's a nice favorable schedule for Michigan to keep the undefeated. Yeah, it's almost yeah, it's almost so. too favorable. It feels like they're gonna lose one of those games. It's gonna hurt yeah. them at the end of the day. Uh, I just wanted to, we mentioned Rutgers. I wanted to mention the fact that they beat Illinois. We talked about it at the top of the show. Yeah, let's talk about that um, a little bit. I, I think this team with Jacob Young and Ron Harper Jr. And yes, it is that Ron Harper, the one that wanted to guard Jordan. That Craig Elo said, you know what, I got this. Um, this is just a fun basketball team. You know, we we joke about Rutgers, you know, in general. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. You don't joke. I joke, joke. Uh, about about Rutgers a lot. I, I have always found, you know, like the Greg Schiano Rutgers football era is something that I have a fond memory for. Went up to a game up there. And the fact that they're actually for real and the fact that they have Geo Baker back and the fact that, like I said, Ron Harper Jr. had, I think, 28 points or 24 points. He and Jacob Young both had ridiculous games here against Illinois. They're a fun basketball team, and uh, they have firepower. And I really wanted Illinois to be a team that commanded our attention all season, and they are not quite that. And, I, and, yeah, and that's so okay. It's okay. I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Illinois, I'm still not selling my Illinois yeah, stock. Yeah, I'm not I'm, done. I, I'm not I, done. I, I just wanted them to dominate. They just, and that's not quite the case. Yeah, right. I, I want to. They're not going to yeah. be dominant, obviously. Uh, I, but but they're close. I will say that. Like, I don't think Illinois is bad. Mm. I don't think that they've lost three games now. That's more than we expected at this point in the season. But I I wouldn't say that Illinois ha, has problems or like they need to I don't, I don't think brad underwood is firing off tweets saying we have soul searching mm-hmm. to do i don't think he needs to be doing that i think they got to tighten up a few things on defense which i don't know if it's that easy i don't know if you just can just say the words tighten mm-hmm. up and then be better defensively because you know coburn is coburn's great in a lot of ways i don't know if he's built for modern basketball and certainly not guarding ball screens and and all that sort of thing but like they, like illinois is throwing out zones that that just felt like desperation yeah. Yeah. attempts to, to figure something out that that could work defensively. I, I think they, they, they figured that out a little bit. I mean, Adam Miller had no points in this game. That's another thing that kills. I, I, I feel like they're close, but again, I also acknowledge that I very well could be saying it could be March 1st and Illinois is in ninth place in the big 10. And I'm like, ah, yeah, close. yeah. They could Can just... they get it together? But, but there's nothing I've seen from Illinois. That's like, I, I had like I've seen from I mean Kentucky's the one we keep coming back to but like there's they're, they're not, it's not mm. like that like listen you go into these games someone has to win someone has to lose you know Rutgers is a good team Missouri's a good team Baylor Baylor's really the only team that's had their way with Illinois and Baylor is as we said like it's Gonzaga Baylor and the rest so I don't know I I think we were hoping that Illinois would be up there with Gonzaga and Baylor they're definitely mm. not but they're with the rest and the rest is kind of just mix it all up, and I think Illinois. Yeah, and I like right? the idea they play Indiana on Saturday. I think, and I like the idea of just seeing how they match up against Indiana because I feel familiar with Indiana. I kind of know who they are after we saw them in Maui, and uh, just to kind of get like yeah. a litmus test with them against Indiana would be nice. And but it's the same sort of thing, dude. You're going to go into that game, and whoever loses it, you're going to be like that team lost to. Oh my god, how do you lose to Illinois, an Illinois team that's lost three games already, or how do you lose to an unranked Indiana team? That we know is good. Like that's going to happen. That's what I'm Big saying. I, I want to see how they play. Legitimately, I, 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 like, not that I think Indiana's resume defines how good they are. I think they're a good basketball team. So if Illinois goes in there and beats them like they did in Minnesota, I say to myself, "Hey, Illinois is legit." You know what I mean? Regardless of what's happened so yeah. far, I kind of still believe. But if Indiana were to beat them, God forbid, or at least like play a competitive game, then I really, you know, kind of temper my Illinois Final Four predictions and put them more yeah. Sweet Sixteen level. Indiana deserves to be ranked. Mm. By the way, I'm I'm starting to get frustrated. Indiana, I'm gonna say it 
elite defensively. Mm. Elite. Use mm. the E word. They are an elite defensive mm. team, Tate. Elite. Elite. Uh, <laughs> Rutgers is for real, yeah, though. I, I, I am excited I like about that. I'm glad that Rutgers is like the, the meme days of Rutgers. We're past uh, it. Yeah, the the as of a few years ago, you mentioned Rutgers basketball. It's it's. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me was Mike Rice just firing basketballs at his mm-hmm. players' faces, and <laughs> you kind of laugh at that. And <laughs> and then the Jimmy yeah. V speech, and then you're like, I I don't know. Did they have players? Like, is there a guy that played there that I should know about? That we're we're well past those days. Uh, losing to Rutgers used to be an embarrassment. Then it used to be like a a bad loss. Now it's not even. Now it's yeah. like a good loss. Now if you're Illinois, like Illinois is a bad example, but if uh, Purdue lost to Rutgers by three, they'd be yeah, like, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. No, we, pretty good. Yeah, yeah we, we were right well. there at Rutgers, yeah. lost by three. Yeah, we played well. Uh, <laughs> Neutral site. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Uh, what other games are there? We we've kind of hit them all. Texas, Oklahoma yeah, I was State. Gonna, yeah, Talk just the, in general, Kate Cunningham. Uh, you know, it's almost like we're washed over the fact that he is so talented and so good and and so perfect that uh, we aren't giving him enough credit for the fact that. Played a great game in this one. Greg Brown, who you and I, we, we we could see the raw package of Greg Brown, but we hadn't seen him mm-hmm. actually fully do it. And I feel like this was the best game that he's played so far. 24-10 and 10 against Oklahoma State. They win this game by three. And uh, Cade was great. Greg was great. Kai Jones uh, did a good job guarding Cade Cunningham, to be honest with you. I thought he, I thought he did really well. Um, but Cade was still unstoppable and uh, that says a lot about him he's a legit 6'8 um, there's no doubt about that he's very so. good yeah he's very very good very fun to watch uh i i love this crap of freshmen we have in college basketball right now also we are on the oklahoma state mm-hmm. bandwagon so we should point out that oklahoma state is still not lost by more than mm-hmm. one possession that's that's the thing you have to do when you're on the bandwagon when you're uh cheering for a team is you have to like move the goalpost. so i'm gonna say that they were undefeated they're now on a two-game losing streak but but both of them are by one possession, so technically still undefeated if we're only counting wins by two possessions or more. Uh, Oklahoma State still undefeated, so yeah. good job, Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, way well to done. go. We love we love being <laughs> on this bandwagon. It's the best. The only thing, other thing I want to mention is uh, James Booknight had 40 yes. points for UConn. They, and this was the first game that I watched this season where – I truly miss mm-hmm. the fans where I said to myself, like I've missed fans every other game, obviously, but this is the first one where I said, this is a travesty that there's not a full house here. He was hitting tough shot after tough shot, ultimately ran out of gas, ultimately a little too much hero ball, but it's UConn basketball. And that's what we love to see out of UConn basketball. So I'm not going to fault him for it at all. Drops 40 and UConn's first game back in the big East in seven years. Ultimately, Creighton wins in overtime, whatever, boring, who cares? I, I just want to talk about James Booknight, and I wanted to mention UConn 10 million percent wins that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a game that like the fans are just yeah. absolutely losing mm-hmm. their minds. Creighton's buttholes get tight as Booknight just is hitting stupid shot after stupid shot. And UConn wins it by seven points probably, but there's no fans, so they ended mm. up losing to a team that's ultimately better than them, to be honest. Creighton is a better team, but... uh yeah, that was the first. That was the first game I've watched this season where I was like, fans like clear as day made a difference. Fans, were yeah, no fans. yeah. I'll, and I'll mention another game. Adam Kunkel hits the game winner for Xavier over Marquette. That was that. Oh was, yeah, that that's was right, another right. one that yeah. we should mention. If there were fans there, that would be insane. Kunkel uh, to bring it full circle back to Coach Cal from Kentucky. Mark Titus, why is he not at Kentucky? Mm. Why is he not making game winning shots for blue, for Big Blue Nation? Uh, we'll never know. Uh, transferred from Belmont, hit a big shot. Xavier wins. I didn't want to bring that up because Marquette fans think that we may hate them. Um, but I just want to say Justin Lewis. I remember that tip in. That was pretty cool. That already mm-hmm. happened this year too. So uh, we're not throwing in your face, but we had to bring up Adam Kunkel 
hitting a game-winning shot. So shout out to Xavier and Travis Steele and, uh, yeah, the Musketeers. Quick break to get aware from our sponsor, Geico. Do you own or rent a home? Yes, you. I'm asking you. Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home, especially around the holidays. So much going on. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save today. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Uh, any other shout-outs? Close-outs? Uh, can I shout out North Carolina football quickly? First major bowl game since 1950. Uh, they're going to the Orange Bowl. Yeah, is it yeah, really? Yeah. This this is wow. history. I didn't know. It was I never that thought long. that I would see an Orange Bowl. I, I'm not even kidding. Like my mom, when this happened, it was like you know a religious experience that it actually you know came to be, and it all happened because Notre Dame joined the ACC this year. We all know that. You don't have to get in my face and, and spit about yeah. it. But at the end of the day, North Carolina blew out Miami. They have two great running backs. One of them, Michael Carter, is not going to play in the bowl game. De'Ami Brown is not going to play in the bowl game. Chaz Surratt is not going to play in the bowl game. So, like, even though this historical cool. moment is happening, they all have to go get paid in the yeah. NFL, um, which, you know, do you go get paid. But I'm just proud of North Carolina football, Mac Brown. I never thought I would see an Orange Bowl uh, berth at all. And, and to play Jimbo Fisher, who's never beat North Carolina, it's just – you know, it seems like it's poetic. Knock on wood, I hope they can win. But regardless, I'm happy they made it. Unless you guys got yeah, us texting. Yeah. Jimbo in. Fisher. Yeah. All so right. shout out, shout out to the heels. Yeah, Orange Bowl. Uh, they did it. I can't believe it. I love Javante Williams. He was a valedictorian. People forget, and uh, he's the best. Thoughts and prayers to my father, my brother, <laughs> all the other. Indian they're up, I, they are rightfully we, upset. We were. I, yeah, we were hoping for some sort of Indiana versus North Carolina New Year's yeah, Six Bowl yeah. somehow. That that was the dream. That was what we were hoping for. Indiana deserved to be in. Uh, cyclical logic ultimately doomed them. Ohio State had a good enough schedule to make the playoff, but Indiana did not have a good enough schedule, even though they all played. Indiana played a tougher schedule, yeah. frankly. They just, yeah. I, it makes zero sense at all. Yeah. I, 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 I hate college football so much. <laughs> I, I love the sport. It, like, college... Obviously, I love the sport. I hate the the mm. structure, and I'm saying this as an Ohio State fan, who's you know, like people thought Ohio State shouldn't be in, we're in, and I still hate the system that put us in. I, I hate the stupid. I hate it all. I really do. It's the dumbest thing on earth. It is the single dumbest sport, and I realize every single year as I get worked up, as I'm seeing red and yelling about how dumb this sport is, where it is the only sport on earth that you can go undefeated and not have a chance to to play for a title. I realize that it's designed to be mm. this way and that this is exactly what they want is <laughs> for me to be this mad. They want everybody to be this mad. They want Dabo Swinney to be asked, like, what do you see uh, heading into this ACC championship game? What do you see from Notre Dame that might give you problems? And he's like, I don't give a shit about that. I want to talk about Ohio <laughs> yeah. State and how they don't belong in the playoff. And you're like, what? Why would you, what is going on here? Uh, just like the whole yeah. – every, everything about it is the – and the reason I get so worked That's up about you, it, I think, is because <laughs> – well, you're taking well, the heat one, of the SEC State. and the ACC, and uh, yeah, that's yeah. true too. It is. It is. College football has become the South versus yeah, Ohio. Exactly. So like, you're just taking it from all angles. You just got like <laughs> Ole Miss fans chirping at you, and you're like, Ohio State's trash. Yeah. You're like, dude, you're an Ole Miss fan. Shut up. What is going on here? You don't get to claim the entire conference. I know you guys think you do. You don't. You have ACC mm -hmm. people that are in the South that 
claim the SEC because I guess like the whole South no, is like I don't know I don't North know. Carolina. We have no SEC not you, ties. Not but, you. But, but, but no, I will I'm not say saying the you. ACC I'm people others. they like, like shitting on Ohio State. I will say like they it, it's like a weird mm-hmm. thing where like what you're saying like they see the SEC doing it. and They're like why not? And de- <laughs> I know Ohio State has the most annoying fans on earth, but at the same time, at least like we don't. We don't get in cahoots with other yeah, schools yeah. to attack. It's, you know it's very I mean? SEC to, to build a coat. <laughs> You're not going to see Ohio State and like like Michigan State yeah. fans like linking arms to talk shit no, about Bama. It's, it's a coalition gonna, you know, at this point. And the fact that you have Dabo yeah. Sweeney and Nick Saban both like basically subtly, subliminally taking shots at Ohio State. <laughs> it's so. And by the way, like we're. Not, it, and, and be We're honest, not, let's let's all cares? be honest. The reason that they don't want to play Ohio State, they're not taking shots at Notre Dame or Texas A&M in Florida, is because those teams are worse. So that they, they we know are literally that the only team. <laughs> we are literally the only team that can beat Alabama exactly. or Clemson. We're the, I'm not saying but we're going to. I think we're going to lose to Clemson to do it. Yes, we're the only yeah. team that could. Absolutely, we are the only team in this 100%. country that could, and yep. they know that. And yep. so they just—it's it's so, so stupid, and <laughs> it's so transparent. And beyond that, beyond the Ohio State part that gets me fired up is that <sighs> college football dictates college basketball <laughs> in a ton of ways. So there's just like a trickle down of the corruption mm. and the politics and just everything yeah. about it. And then it just seeps into college basketball, a, a famously non-corrupt sport. <laughs> yes, yes, so clean, is, pure. Is being, pure as Lake Penn Minnetonka. It's <laughs> being ruined by these oh, ridiculous Man. football coaches. Yeah, I, I, I get worked up about it when I really – think about it so i try not to think about it but be that as it may bucks by a million we're winning the ship let's go i i I, let's shock the world hashtag the the, the best part about it is that if you had told me in 2014 that ohio state and clemson would become rivals in football i would have been like how you know did clemson move to the big 10 did ohio state move to the acc how else is this possible no they just submitted a college football playoff (laughs) system where they play each other every single year in the two three game before they play alabama and basically beat themselves up before they play alabama so alabama can win the championship and the sec can go sec (laughs) 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 it's the toughest sport on earth oh my god uh, why yeah. is this? Uh, I'm glad that it's like becoming more obvious yeah. to everybody else. I'm glad that that is no. Like everyone gets it. Season. Everyone's in on the it's, joke. Yeah. At the start of the season, Tate, we were <laughs> not we as in you and I. Uh, I'm saying the collective of college football was like, how are we going to play this season? There's a pandemic going on. We're going to have to cancel mm-hmm. games and we're going to have to move stuff around. And the collective thought was, it's okay. We'll make it work. Some <laughs> season is better than no season. Like whatever we can play, we'll play. We'll just all be happy. It's not going to matter how many get. Like you know, listen. Some teams might play more. That's just the way it is. It, imbalanced schedules and then and guys, we're in a pandemic. I think what's important is. Oh my God, Ohio State only played six get games. Get them out of here. Eleventh, eleventh place. They, all of yeah. that was gone, and it was like get them out of because Lord knows if Ohio State played nine games, everyone would shut up and they'd be like they definitely belong. There's definitely mm-hmm. a cutoff. Rest assured, Dabo mm-hmm. Swinney. There was a there was a cutoff that if Ohio State played this many games. He would have been fine. If they would have played mm-hmm. eight games, he would have been mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, yeah, that's mm-hmm. plenty of games. Mm-hmm. No, he wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. No, he wouldn't have. He was <laughs> still, I don't know. I hate yeah. football so much. I, I love the sport. I hate the. I, I mean, the good news is that you're not you, you Notre Dame, you know? I, I feel like if you're Notre Dame, you're signing up to get champion until you get throttled. And uh, you get championed yeah. into the ACC championship game, and then it's gone. And Dude. same with the playoff. And. We literally have a system, Tate, where there's five power conferences plus Notre Dame, who's like a, a, pseudo, a power independent, yeah, whatever. Exactly. Every single season, there could be six undefeated teams and only four spots, like six power mm-hmm. undefeated teams and only four spots for them. 
and we just cross our fingers and say, I hope yep. that doesn't happen. And it hasn't yep. happened yet, but there are a lot of things that didn't happen yet until they happened. And that's what I hope for every single it, year is it, that, that like an undefeated Oregon and an undefeated Notre Dame are left out of the playoff. <laughs> but that's what I'm seeing. Like the mass behind, like the fact that Cincinnati is sitting there, like Cincinnati is a, uh, by all intents and purposes, a power five caliber school. You know what I mean? And they're right, treating yeah. them as if they are nobodies. You know what I mean? Like they don't even have a shot. And, and not Which, to say that, not to say that they, they even have, not to say that I think Cincinnati deserves to be there, but the fact that they're not even in consideration, the fact that Coastal Carolina. It's not even <laughs> a conversation. Not even, it's, it's laughable. If you said to the if you said the words Coastal Carolina should have a shot yeah. at the title, people start laughing. Like I'm like, laughing before I even here. say it, but they know that also. Yeah. And that's why it's so funny. Cause like they're tenth in the actual polls or whatever, but they have literally no shot. Like they're they're the most that they could ever move no is six, probably. Like they would never yeah. ever be in the top four, the, no matter what. Ever. And why are they in the division? Yeah. That's what I don't understand. Why, why is it all FBS? Why don't you have a new division? Where because the big money, everyone, everyone wants to be in the pot, the, the big pot. So nobody wants to take the secondary pot. I know, but the, the, to me, this season feels like the season of college football where it's it's pigs get fat and hogs yeah. get slaughtered. And the powers that be became hogs. And everyone saw right through it. And we just want to slaughter mm -hmm. the system now. Mm -hmm. We're just like, all right. You could have like dangled the carrot in front of me a little bit better, but you got a little greedy and it's pretty obvious. And, and I think the worst, the most yeah. damning part of the whole thing. And then we'll finally get out of here is that they showed the committee sitting in the room, watching the game. And they're like in a ballroom, like they're turning their little chairs towards the big screen and they're just sitting there silently. And you're like, this is how low budget this yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is yeah. what it is. Like we can't change this. Like we could, we could fix this. We could fix Dude. this. I mean, come on. Uh, but you know, explain is what it is. To, explain to me how every American gets to vote for the leader of the free world, but only a handful of people get to vote for who makes the playoff. Yeah. What? Yeah. How is that fair? Come on, let us vote. <laughs> Where are our priorities as a country? Let us all uh, vote. Damn it. Um, is that it? Is that's that all I got. Other than you know, Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry uh, Christmas. Yeah, we've done it. We made a you know we we made it to another Christmas uh, last year. We did a little rewatchables. We didn't have that in store this year because uh, we're in the heart of a season, which is good news. And uh, we hope everybody has a happy holidays and enjoys uh, the time off and gets ready for 2021. We finally made it. I think that's the biggest news. We made it to 2021. We have a new we year. Did. And all of our problems are going to go away because the calendar is going to turn. <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah. The wizard. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, seriously, thanks, you guys, for listening. Uh, thank you for uh, uh, following along. Yeah, we don't need to get sentimental. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Go enjoy it. We'll see you guys next week. Go get drunk. Go have fun. Go uh, go argue with strangers on the internet about college football power, <laughs> playoff rankings, and all that kind of stuff. And if we're, if you're and, with uh, your family, we, like just enjoy it. We're, I mean, it's obviously this is the weirdest year. I'm not going to be with my family. You you and I are going to be in Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm so gonna be like, with my family. Yeah. We, we know it's strange. We know it's a little bit off. And uh, if you are there, embrace it, love it, have a great time. If not, we're with you. My parents sent me a handful of gifts, and they want me to FaceTime them on Christmas Day to open them. And so they told me, like, do not open them. I've been getting them for, like, the last couple of weeks. They sent me, like, four or five things. And I know what every single thing is because it says what it, who it's sent for. <laughs> <laughs> the company yeah. that sent it. As, yeah. I got a package. It's about the size of a cooler. It says, from mm -hmm. Yeti. And they're like, Mark, do not <laughs> open Mark that cooler. Do <laughs> not open <laughs> please that. Please do not open that. <laughs> yeah, they say. And they text me, do not open the Yeti cooler. We got you, please. Don't I'm ruin like, the right, surprise. You're like, Christmas. what? Wait, what? <laughs>
Uh, that's good. Oh, uh, unprecedented times. Uh, we love all the people that listen, all the friends of the program. Thank you. And uh, that's it. Shout out, shout out to the 10 win Cleveland mm. Browns. Merry Christmas, everybody. God bless you. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>